0: Welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hey, the champion I'm returns, back, baby. Mac- Macarthur to the Philippines. We have Leo Vader. Hello. And Surreal Vasquez. Hi. Welcome, everybody. What a fun crew. This is going to be a fun show. Uh, we got a lot of fun games to talk about, <laughs> and we'll explain whether or not we had fun, and then you. As a listener or viewer, can determine if you want to play the game as well and maybe have fun for yourself. It's all just a
1: fun gamble <laughs> here. That's what podcasts are. Kylan Sorrell, you guys need to be smiling more just so we're having more fun. Thank you. Thank you. Out. Great.
0: Uh, we're going to be talking about Watch Dogs Legion, Leo's most anticipated game of the year. Uh, Crash Bandicoot 4, Star Wars Squadrons, uh, The World of Minecraft and Smash Brothers colliding in a big bad way. Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, Leo has a new horror game that he's red hot on that I can't pronounce the name of that we'll go into
1: Phasmophobia. Phasmophobia
0: some other odds and ends and then of course back half of the show uh, we have some great community questions that people submitted to patreon.com slash minmax to ends thank you to all of our supporters and thank you to everybody that you know listens to the minmax show watches the minmax show but also the people that have been watching the deepest dive on Super Mario 64 we have the grand finale coming up this week it's been a really fun time with Dan Reichert uh, Ana Diaz and uh, best friend Ronnie going through that game and it's been a really fun discussion just to dissect that beloved game the middle chunk was kind of the dark middle uh, it was the empire strikes back of the deepest dive discussions because those
2: levels oh so it's the best entry
0: <laughs> that's right <laughs> well some may say uh <laughs> but those levels were tough uh but we're coming up on the home stretch and there's a lot of really fun great super mario 64 levels at the very end so thanks everybody for checking that out on our youtube channel or in the patreon exclusive podcast feed and kyle we had an epiphany uh, mm. collectively because Anna is very big on talking about the DS version of Super Mario sixty four, and she was talking mm. about how much better it was. Now, was
2: this before or after you guys made fun of me mercilessly for mislabeling? Who can remember? A, a, a single it it enemy. comes
0: up so much, <laughs> Kyle. But uh, now, on that show where Anna was talking about the DS version of Super Mario sixty four, and we realized that her name is on a DS. Because she kept talking about Ana Diaz, and it's literally her name is Ana Diaz. Like it's crazy,
3: isn't it? We got to do something with that. I don't know what it is exactly, but there's something <laughs> I, there. I think the jokes you made there are what you can do, right? Either yeah. that, or you got to make a shirt at some point. Make a shirt. No, we put, can monetize uh, Ana Diaz. Some Diaz. Way we can make money off of this. <laughs> this could be the next cereal. Cereal. F- series which made everyone here a millionaire i think is is what happened last time as soon as you alliterated someone's name (laughs) (laughs) uh but
0: here's some that is weird. thank you uh here's some crazy news we normally like to space out our deepest dives really let them sink in there's a lot to digest there we need to unpack these huge game club discussions the best most thorough discussions about games on the internet we'd argue um but we realized you know what Between Super Mario 64 and whatever the big holiday slash fall deepest dive is going to be, we can squeeze in one more. And so we're announcing a new deepest dive right here, right now. Leo's joining me. Some other folks will be joining us. It'll be a fun time. And on this deepest dive, we're tackling everything. But not the game that Double Fine produced where you run around as a tree, whatever the hell that is. We are tackling every thing. This is going to be the first multimedia deepest dive where we're doing the thing. So wow. it is going to be a three week event. So on October 20th, we're covering the original story, 1938 short, Who Goes There, which you can get on Audible, you can get it as an ebook. It shouldn't be too hard to get if you want to get that. And also the original film called The Thing from Another World, 1951. Then the week after that, which is October 26th, we're tackling what I would consider the greatest horror film of all time, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Then the week after that, we're covering the video game, the tabletop, tabletop game, the prequel film, and also its impact on, you know, Among Us, other games like that, just general impact of the thing. I know it sounds like a lot, and I know you might be saying, my God, I can't play through the video game and play a tabletop game. I think I've played that video game before for that third week. Like it's okay just to watch let's plays, especially tabletop gaming, you know, during the pandemic. I know it's going to be difficult. You can play it on Tabletop Simulator if you want. Otherwise, just watch some videos. It'll be a lighter discussion there, but it's going to be the deepest dive into the thing, which I'm very excited about expanding beyond the world of video games for the first time here. So you I am that most PSG excited game? about
1: that prequel the- prequel movie. Yeah, have you ever seen That's it? Most no, I
0: haven't either. I know that the guy who played the young what? uh, Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber is in it. (laughs) I think that's all I really know about that prequel film so I'm excited about it. Uh, Kyle, actually I haven't finished the thing video game. I got to the very end and I forgot to pick up a sniper rifle. And so I just boned myself and I couldn't do anything like I couldn't progress. And this was back in like 2002 or whatever, you know, so
1: just like in the movie,
0: just like in the film. So it should be a very fun time. And I can't wait. Uh, We have a guest lined up for that first episode that uh, I've always wanted to talk to this person. Uh, It's a person from the game industry that loves horror and it should be a wonderful time. So, yes, the deepest dive for the thing will be starting on October 20th, if you want to read along, play along, watch along, and submit a comment for us to read in our discussions, you can support us at any tier on Patreon. It should be a fun time. Thanks everybody for being on board for that wild ride that we're about to go on. Um, Leo, we haven't really talked about this yet, but um, should we like get meta about it and make like every discussion for the
3: deepest dive? Like somebody is the thing.
0: Is there some game we can play, you know, in a fun way?
3: I think one of you, one of you should say it's clobbering time every time you play the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. oh yeah that's right the fourth week is all about yeah. the thing and
1: how much he loves clobbering I, I think one of the five boxes or whatever of videos one of them should be a little gray alien and you have to figure out which one's the <laughs> alien i don't
3: know if that's... Hmm. there's just one person on the discord call that is the alien or whatever but it's like they never talk they never say anything but they're just kind of hanging yeah. out there yeah we just and have... then at the end we vote
1: on who it was <laughs>
3: Look, we're going to have some fun.
1: Uh I
0: promise. Uh, Leo Vader, a Hi. big batch of Watch Dogs Legion trailers dropped, previews dropped. The game's coming out October 29th. Um as somebody who has not only dissected every frame of gameplay that's ever been released about Watch Dogs Legion, but you also had a watch later video, your video essay series last week was about Watch Dogs Legion. What did you learn from this new wave of info here?
1: A lot of stuff. It feels like, I don't know that this is what happened, but it feels like they did that wave of Watchdogs Legion stuff in July after Ubisoft Forward. A ton of people came out with gameplay and everything. And then they saw all the feedback from that and took it to heart and then came out with this batch of info that like answered everybody's questions they still had and like ass- assuaged people's fears. Because my biggest thing coming out of Ubisoft Forward was it looks great, but everybody's got the same characters. Like every oh. video you watch, which I did watch every video you could watch, it <laughs> was like, oh, I've got a construction worker who's got a wrench and a drone. And I've got a spy who's got a silenced pistol. Right. Pretty cool. <laughs> and which is cool, but it's like, I'm already, I already feel like I've seen everyone in this game. Like I've seen people walk around with the profiler to see everybody's traits, and they all seem to fit a similar mold. But now it's like, I don't know if that was a restricted part of the simulation, like they didn't have it fully like open for people or something. But the way it is now and the way it is and the footage that came out this past week has completely satisfied me. There is so much variety. And even in the established archetypes, there's so much variety within those and like different versions of people that people are getting.
0: Yeah. So just, just just for zooming out a little bit. So this is sure. Sure. Leo, I think it's important to let people know this is an open-world game from Ubisoft. But if you forget like, what the hook with this one is, it's something that takes place in London, and you can recruit anybody and play as any NPC in the game, which for, what, a year and a half now, people have been like, we'll see. And you feel like now you feel confident that this is happening, baby.
1: Oh, it's happening. Yeah, try and pick it apart. I dare you. <laughs> but it's been really exciting not just seeing the simulation working and more gameplay of more people trying, you know, different things. But there's so much weird stuff in there that really reminds me of Streets of Rogue. Like, that game feels more and more like a little indie template for Watch Dogs Legion, which was a similar, for those who don't know, was a similar kind of more roguelike but similar systems where every character has traits, and you can come in as a bunch of different heroes with a bunch of different traits and interact with the s- systemic world in a different way. Yeah, And now we've got, like, street magician characters we've seen who can hypnotize npcs or what not npcs but pcs but literally go into a base tap somebody on the shoulder wave a pocket watch in front of them and they'll start shooting their friends <laughs> <laughs> or, oh it's a fun or they've game. been showing custom takedown animations and if you choose to take someone down you just dangle the pocket watch and snap and they fall asleep on the ground and that's the hypnotist takedown animation didn't you say in
0: your watch later video as well that you can like take over a base or invade a base or infiltrate a base by capturing every single npc there
1: yeah that was in an interview the lead producer said you could do that it's just convert everybody to your side <laughs> and then you can walk right in. Insane. but isn't it also a thing
0: where you can't get everybody out of the gate like it's not like start the game you're walking the streets and you're like i want you i want you i want you it's like a tiered system or something right
1: well, everybody needs to be won over and they have their affinity with dead okay. And when they say recruit everyone, something that may have changed about that or something maybe they're only talking about now is that people can reach the point of not being recruitable if they hate dead enough. If you kill a character's wife, they're not going to you're not going to be able to win them over by, <laughs> you know, clearing their gambling debt. Lame. <laughs> uh,
0: Cyril, have you seen much footage of this game?
3: I've seen a little bit. I saw uh, like a lot of the stuff that we saw at E3, but I haven't seen a, a ton of recent stuff. But I like the idea that you're basically using characters as different skills instead of like, oh, this person can do everything. But it's like you're kind of putting together a team versus like I'm the super powered guy with like eight different branches, like skill tree branches that ba- let me do whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I
1: like that it seems like you can, what, save NPCs for like, oh, I'll capture you later. Isn't there some weird right. system like that, Leo? Yep, yep, you can add them to your contacts and choose to follow up with them or not. There, there really have been a lot of interesting interviews that have come out of this latest batch of content, and it's been about things like, they call it their recasting system, where you'll interact with a character, you know? Did Say they use you'll... that in the new Spider-Man
2: game? No! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, ah! I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, please. Um, but <laughs> it has totally to do with... The people you
1: add to your contacts or interact with in any meaningful way, it will take people from their life and kind of weave them into the things you end up doing in the future. Like, you might end up bumping into their probation officer. Like, someone who would just be a random NPC is now their brother. And if you save them, this character will like you a lot more. Things like that that are outside of the mission structure of, I want to start a recruitment mission and go do this favor for you. More organic, like, in-the-world ways to manipulate how people feel about you which is like one of the things i was kind of worried about out of that original batch was like is it just gonna be doing the same missions to get people to like me but the more it lets you play with the systems and do and not only that but do these missions in different ways as different characters with different abilities that's what i'm looking forward to and that's what i'm really really feeling good about coming out of this past week it's weird to think of like watchdogs as like an underdog but Maybe I'm just not clued into the right parts of the internet, but
0: I don't feel like there is a huge level of hype outside of Leo's apartment for this game. (laughs) And I think, like, even I watch, like, Easy Allies preview and stuff, and visually, it's like, it looks like a Ubisoft game from somewhere in this generation. You know, I always associate Watch Dogs with the original reveal, of like, this looks next gen as hell, this looks amazing. And I think, like, the faces and the world, Kyle, are you with me? It looks a little underwhelming there, but systemically, it's a fascinating
2: pitch. Yeah. I mean, that just might be a product of we're getting ready to upgrade things. Right. You know what I mean? We're getting a little sort of used to the, the current standard of visuals. But yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so I watched... Uh, they had a video talking about the roadmap and apparently they're adding co-op in December. Like four-player co-op. That's not going to be there at
1: launch, which I don't know if they've changed the messaging on that or anything. Yeah, that was something they've been weirdly silent about. So it's not surprising at all to find out that it's going to be coming later. There's also going to be like a weird spider bot deathmatch mode <laughs> yeah, what the hell is that <laughs> i don't know who's excited by that i'm into it that'll be a thing <laughs> i honestly yeah. saw that i'm like i'll play that dumb thing but it sounds like a good great joke okay. Cody hunt or something yeah. uh and also like raid style content called tactical ops or something which is just like you know end game stuff for four player teams to do i don't f- feel strongly about it it looks like just kind of like bullet spongy drones you're shooting at is all we've seen so far Uh, okay huh but you're feeling good about streaming that the day it launches or
0: somewhere around that i'm in max's twitch account
1: yes i'm pre-ordering a big edition that should give me access three days early so once i confirm what day that'll be we'll want to do it as soon as possible that should be fun Uh, yeah i'm really i'm dying i'm so excited Yeah, you said earlier it's my most hyped game of the year i gotta correct you on that it's my most hyped game of the past like eight years are you serious (laughs) i was trying to think of the last time i've been this hyped for a game and it was metal gear solid five but that was only for about a month before it came out and this has been over a year now oh wow do you remember it was about five that wasn't
2: tony hawk like just like a few weeks ago like you weren't super excited about that
1: (laughs) no they had the old tony hawk still (laughs)
2: <laughs> got, yeah. There's two other Watch Dogs games.
0: <laughs> what was it about oh, Metal Gear like a month before release that turned you on suddenly?
1: That's when they started showing gameplay and I was really impressed with the stuff they were doing like systemically and the way the controls looked like you could tell you had a really fine degree of control and not only that but you know Ground Zeroes is already out. Yeah. So it was like playing Ground Zeroes over and over again for that month getting hyped for 5. I don't know how common it is but I was just thinking about Metal Gear Solid 5 again because I was thinking
0: about my boy the one and only Ulysses S. Grant. And I read mm-hmm. his biography a while ago. I probably talked about it 300 times because I like to brag that I read a book a couple years ago. But during the Mexican-American War, he stealth-horsed a situation where he was, like, going to, like, free some soldiers. And he rode on the side of a horse
2: to, like, avoid getting shot. Snake style. Isn't that sweet?
0: Yeah. Classic. Okay, but could
2: he whistle
3: to make them poop on command?
0: <laughs> Do it. <laughs>
3: do yeah, it I mean, like john wick can do that and he can also have the horse kick a guy by like clapping it and that's mm. a cool action <laughs> sequence so i feel like there's a long line of people who can do like sick stuff with horses you know
1: <laughs> horse whispering
3: <laughs> yeah do you think i could do you think i could go like
0: try and ride a horse i don't know there's probably i could drive for like 30 minutes and rent a horse right and just yeah. immediately try and slide to the side of it. <laughs> like, no, no, don't, don't come get me off. Just, this is what I want. Just
3: as as the person instructing you is like, okay, so now we're at a good, and she looks back, and then you're like straddling on the side. Whispering do it into the horse's Oh, seat. no, you're not supposed to do it like that at all. That's, no. <laughs> uh, hey,
0: new consoles are coming, everybody. Uh, Kyle, in general, how you feeling about next gen? Uh, do you find yourself getting more excited, less excited? hyped
2: at all where yet i'm excited um yeah i it's it's funny because usually in the past new consoles has been in like excitement around a new game like oh yeah Yeah. i can't wait to play i mean we kind of laugh at it now but when 360 was coming out i was like i want to play perfect dark zero i can't wait to play perfect dark zero i can't wait to play twilight princess you know i can't wait to play breath of the wild but this one like the excitement for me is like much more technical like with the xbox series x it's like I'm excited to have, like, the best version of this system that will just play every game I own already and stuff like that. And then, like, the thing (laughs) with PlayStation 5, it's like, I really want to see how that controller works with Astro Bot, which feels more technical to me than being excited about a game. It feels like you uh, could just go to, like, a dead station. Yeah, it's not as game-focused as much as it is hardware, like, literally focused on what the hardware can do this time around. Yeah, is that because there aren't games to get hyped about? Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that could totally be it for sure. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm I'm just excited about generational changes no matter what. So like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to kind of focus my excitement where I can focus it. You know, yeah. I don't feel like I see some people are just like, I don't I'm not going to get a PlayStation 5 because there's no games. Who cares? And I, That's a totally valid take. Absolutely. But it's like. It's new video games, guys. Like come I mean, on. it's, yeah. a, I it's a PlayStation th- with a five after it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sony hasn't been the best at
0: messaging it, I mainly because it wasn't in their big presentation, but I think there are definitely those Demon Souls fans that are like, We're ready, like we're yeah, we're charging yeah. right now, we're ready to go. The idea of having that game at launch at PS five, that's gonna be like a, a huge media experience for a lot of yeah, you know, new console owners. That should be fun.
3: It is weird that 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 is like the the biggest launch game of the of the fall so far is that like yeah. oh yeah there's the Demon Souls remake which at, at the time people did not people were pretty split on Demon Souls and for now for there to be like this fervor around that game is is really weird and kind of you know indicative of like well if you didn't if you're not into super hard RPGs you kind of don't have a lot cuz you can play most everything else on PS4 as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think mm. just reading a lot of impressions about, you know, a lot of outlets apparently cooler than Minimax are getting like the Series X and stuff to mess around with. And I've seen a lot of articles where it's like, I'm sold. It's it's slightly faster load times. This is it. I'm pumped now. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if everyone's drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm just still in that camp. Yeah, it'll, it'll be nice. It's not slightly
3: faster, though. It's, it's I, like significantly
0: faster. I know, but still, they have the comparisons between like, you know, Outer Worlds loads times and it's like. Yeah, it'll be fine. I mean, I've just been PC gaming for so long, I guess, that I hate to pull out that dumb card, but it just doesn't feel like a huge shift. And the idea that like that's like the takeaway headline at this point for a lot of impressions is like it's marginally faster. It just it's kind of a bummer. It's dampening my enthusiasm
3: a little bit. Yeah, get him. It's, it's oh. interesting to see like between how much of the Xbox coverage was like, oh yeah, like here's all the hardware specs, it like runs hotter, like uh, maybe it, it's fine or whatever, here's the size of the unit, here's like uh, between that and then Sony today kind of doing this breakdown of the PS5, yeah. of like here's all literally the component parts of the PlayStation, we're going to break one of these down. It's interesting to see, like, a lot of console fans suddenly be really into the hardware aspects of their machines in no. a way that only PC people are. in to a degree that I don't think we were getting last gen of, like, we need to figure out what we're going to promote about these consoles. And it's all, like, how much of a computer they are this time around. And, yeah. like, fans have, like, lashed onto that as, like, okay, now I'm really into component parts. Now I'm really into load speeds. Now I'm into these particular things because those are the things that are now standing out about these consoles
0: this is the argument yep. i have to make it's but i'm not so into it that or financially so into it that i want to go for the pc that's still that next level beyond but i will watch yeah. this ps5 breakdown
3: and, and yeah Take notes. Yeah. yeah, and then I, I, mean, I saw like, the, I, the the heatsink for that thing, and it's like that is like if you saw that on a PC, you would you would say like this is a ridiculous PC thing, but it because it's on the console, it's like oh look at look at how much care they're putting into making sure the PS five doesn't overheat.
2: It's nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, but to Leo's point, I mean, it's because that's all they can give us. Right. We can't right. Really show gameplay because it's not that dramatic of an increase, you know, in a, of an improvement, and there aren't that many games. So like if people are excited to get new hardware, it's like, this is the only thing they can sell to us. Yeah.
1: Know? Yeah. It's always interesting to think of that as, you know, just a a consequence of marketing. Like the ammo that people have in the console wars is purely what marketing gives them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So they had, yeah, the PS5 breakdown. I
0: think, I mean, I had seen that video. Sony sent out a PS5 to a Japanese YouTuber, I believe, but it wasn't until I saw this PS5 breakdown that it was, oh my god the playstation 5 is big i don't think i had seen yeah. a good point of comparison but i'm now looking at like the space below my tv and it's like this is gonna be a mess down there i don't know how i'm squeezing that sucker in it's huge centerpiece you put um. it in the center of the
1: dinner table <laughs>
0: smart I, I eat around it every day for worship <laughs> i was surprised in <laughs> the breakdown they showed you can like pop off the plastic bits there's a part of me it's like eh, would it kind of look cooler just to pop those suckers off do i really need those on there
3: Have the bare console like that, yeah. with the components exposed, yeah. Just raw as possible. What if they start making like custom appropriate? I bet they will. I bet they will. Maybe here's a camo one so you can hide it,
0: (laughs) make it look like a 360 trying to do it. Didn't go that great, yeah. Yeah, for a little while, I guess. Um, but there was uh some confusion that apparently you have to like remove a screw and remove a little stand to turn your PS5 horizontal. And I want to lay mine horizontal, so it's like interesting that there's like a little piece that you actually have to move. And then, slam dunk the center. I don't know if you got this one, Kyle, mm-hmm. but then the Xbox Twitter account tweeted, you know how to stand an Xbox Series X horizontal? Yeah, put it horizontal. Like, they tried to do like the
2: 2013 E3
0: yeah. slam dunk, where it's like, yeah, okay, it's not exactly <laughs> the same,
2: but sure, it's I think something. They did but... the same thing for memory expansion, too, right? Like, they had side-by-side GIFs. They're really... they." <laughs> They're, They're trying, really trying to They're get, trying. like, the sharing the game, you know, uh, meme going. <laughs> One of these will catch on.
0: But then they also revealed yeah. that, yeah, for the Series X, this is a while ago, I guess, but that idea that if you want to add storage onto the Series S or Series X for an additional terabyte, it's another $220 yeah.
3: for that SSD. Yeah, it's basically price, price, but not S. as much as you would think. Yes, Wait, because I think that that amount for like a NVMe is like maybe 150, 135, depending on where you find it. So it's about twice, but it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see if you're using this proprietary tech and it integrates into the console more closely than a regular like SSD would on a PC, I can see why you would charge that much, but it is still kind of this, well, they're basically like really expensive memory cards that you can put the games themselves on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then other things like the Quick Resume apparently is really cool on the Series X and you can... It depends on how much RAM the games are taking up, but I think it's, like, between four to six games. I think, like, Jeff Bacalar on BeastCast was talking about you can have in that
2: quick resume state, which seems cool. But then there's that I obvious thing. I think that's going to be one of those things that, like, it, it, it's, be, it's, kind of, it's going to feel kind of invisible. Like, it's not going to be something you think about a lot. Yeah. And then, like, let's say you turn on your Xbox One or something or your PlayStation 4 in a couple of years, and you're going to be like, oh, this sucks. You know what I mean? It's going to be that thing that, like, you really appreciate... But don't like actively talk about and think about a lot. You know? I think that could be, but there's still
0: the thing that, you know, they brought up on the Beastcast of just you're still gonna have to like log into services. It's not like you can keep, you know, Rocket League on the main screen or Warzone on the main screen. It's still gonna have to do that entire network boot sequence for all these games. So how many mm-hmm. offline games could
1: you possibly have in Quick Resume at the same time? That's what I was just thinking. Like, I've effectively always done this with, you know, PS4 rest mode, have just one game always going, and it always, like, over a variety of different games, it's just like, we've noticed that it's not Um, been on, and we're going to kick you back to the main menu and log in again.
0: Yeah, so it'll be a lot more of that, I guess. But still, uh, let us know how you're feeling about Next Gen in the comments below if you're watching this on YouTube, or you can write in about it. I'm curious where everybody's at for their hype levels and all
3: that stuff for Next Gen. There's going to be more news to come, most assuredly, I'm, I'm curious, has anyone mentioned, like, how the game tells you that, like, you're running up against that limit of, hey, you you're this is your seventh game or whatever that you're trying to quick resume? Yeah. Like, does it tell you, like, hey, which one of these games would you ha- would you want to quit out? Or, like, how does that part of it work? I, I don't know if I don't it'll know just if go to the
0: most like recent one and then just kind of offload the oldest one. Or if it, or it tells me, like, like hey,
3: that. if you quick resume this game, we'll have to close, you know, Halo or whatever. Yeah, I mean yeah. the
2: iPhone kind of does that now, right? Where it sort of takes care of that for you like whatever you're using the least it can I don't know, I could be wrong about that, but yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, Not sure.
0: Uh Kyle Hilliard. Mm, that's me. I am alarmed and I hope you share this thought about the lack of love out there for Crash Bandicoot 4.
2: Uh have I you do. You've been playing this it's, too? I beat it last night. Oh good. Yeah, that's why I look tired. Okay, what'd you think of it? it? Turns out the last two levels of a difficult game are very hard. <laughs> oh, really? How great I have that to look forward to.
0: Yeah. But what do you think uh, of the game? No, I,
2: yeah, I've been, I've been, I'm not even a Crash guy. I don't have, no, I really don't have nostalgia for Crash. Crash 4 is the first Crash Bandicoot game I saw to credits. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, I am a big Crash guy. Obviously, the original trilogy just love it. And uh, I'm maybe halfway through this game. I am blown away by it. I've been streaming it for folks at the Backstage Pass on Patreon, but like this game is incredible. Like it's a really, really great platformer. And I feel like it's not making big enough of a splash. Like there are elements in here where it reminds me even of like Rayman Legends, like the New Orleans level, Kyle, where you're like sliding and it feels very much like a musical level from Rayman Legends. Just the production, the animation. I think it's funny. I think the writing's solid, and it just it's nice to see this relatively big budget being put into a 3d platformer and they really nailed it
2: yeah it's almost like it's it's simple in a way that i just love like i was playing i've been playing genshin impact and i've been struggling with it because it's so dense yeah and like but then i got crashed and i was like i'll play a couple levels and like i just like ripped through it because i was like it's just so straightforward and like well done yes Like, like you said animation is Great, the platforming feels good. It like the levels will mix it up. the 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 different characters that you can play as a really guy really like playing as uh, Tawny, I think the character's name is Tana, Yeah, because she's got like a, 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 a like a zip line and she can like wall jump and stuff like that. It's, but it's uh, It's but it doesn't. I mean it. But it it feels like an older game, you know, because there's just not, there's not a lot of bells and whistles to it, which I appreciate about it. I like it more for that reason.
0: But they know? added new stuff to the Crash formula that works. I mean, just starting you out with a double jump, you know, it's kind of like the metroid crash from the end of Crash 3. But just as a side note, you know, it's a classic legacy sequel thing at this point. But them picking up the story beat from the end of Crash 3 is just like the most heartwarming, nostalgic thing of just like, I love Crash and I love Crash 3 and how weird that story is. And they did that, like, okay, now we can see the ramifications of neocortex and <laughs> uka uka stuck in time 20 years later, or whatever it's been. It's so fun. But um, where was I going with that? Oh, like but, the, um, but just uh, the way that they're making these small tweaks to the formula, just like, okay, now we have crates that will alternate and they'll be on fire, but there's a lot of Wumpa Fruit inside, or there'll be a box that'll trigger these, but then those crates will pop on that timer. It's just like very smart little additions to the formula that are really well done. Even like the different masks we talked about on the podcast before, but we are shifting between uh, dimensions with the mask and then like just really clever bits of level design of like incorporating those with the nitro boxes so you can't touch those and you have to swap them really fast. It's just a lot of really great platforming level design.
2: So, in I so in past, in the first three crash games, if you spin through Wumpa fruit, you do not collect them, right? Good question. I know in the like it knocks first... it knocks them away, but think you you're your, right. your counter doesn't go up, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, because that always bugged me a lot. I I never liked that because I thought it, I felt like it was punishing me for trying to go fast. Yeah, it's like you don't get this Wumpa fruit because you're trying to move quickly. So it's like a small thing, but here, like as long as you touch it, you you get the lump of fruit. And I was like, okay, thank you. (laughs) And they also do the nice thing. Yeah.
0: And certainly I I hope you're on board for this uh, tweak to platformers moving forward, but they got rid of lives. Uh, So now the lives counter counts up. And so it's just so nice to not have to worry about that, especially playing mario 64 for the deepest dive it's like just constantly worrying about that game over coming up and here it's just like okay it's still a really challenging game it's like i'd say crash two levels of difficulty i think is still a good time for like you know somewhere on the crash spectrum there um but just not worrying about that game over coming is so nice but yeah. then the weird tweak because of that much like mario odyssey it's no longer like okay you don't get another life if you get 100 wumpa fruits So then they have to change what the point of Wumpa Fruits is, and now they changed it to it's just filling basically a meter the more you collect, which lets you unlock skins, which is kind of like how they treated coins in Mario Odyssey. So it's funny that both those games getting rid of lives had to come up with something else, and they both are like, uh, skins? Costumes? I hope Yeah, Yeah. something else. But I was a little bit like, meh, on those skins. Like, I'm not interested. That seems like some real microtransaction nonsense. But then I saw a couple of them like, oh, man. Like crash combined with engine, or like the old polygonal crash. Like there's enough cool stuff in there that I do yeah. end up playing with those.
2: I just, I also like that counter, just as like uh, to like the Super Meat Boy sort of right sort of metric of progress. Like how so the last true level, there's an end boss fight, but the last true level, like how many how many deaths do you think I had trying to finish that level? Thirty three. No. Eight thousand. Hundred and nineteen. What? <laughs> Yeah. So I just, and I love that that's there. Like, it's both like, you know, it's, it's both damning in the sense that it's like, oh my God, I've tried this level. Like I've died 119 times through the course of this level, but it's also like, I love having that metric like live while you're playing, you know, that's
0: insane. Yeah. Uh, Leo, good luck. Yeah. That's (laughs) going to be tough. And you're good at games, man. (laughs) Oh, I'm worried about this. Um, But Kyle mentioned Tana. Who is Crash's girlfriend? So it's this bizarre saga with Tana where she was in Crash One and she's basically a characterless Jessica Rabbit figure in Crash One. Just absurd, giant breasts. It's very, um, Naughty Dog, Jason Rubin of that era design. If you go back to some of that Rings of Power stuff, there's really kind of it feels a...
2: forward forward looking. Like it feels like something that would really happen in 2020.
0: <laughs> right. Well, yes. Yeah. So then that she just dropped off the face of the earth. They got Coco, Crash's <laughs> sister. She's all right, she's the cool new female character. She's in all the other crashes. And then in this one, they bring Tana back, but they make her Cool. And they just explain like, oh, she's from an alternate dimension where she actually has some class that <laughs> she's not just bandicoot boobies walking around the screen. And we don't talk like, to
3: mainline Tanya anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they make some joke about like, yeah, we kinda drifted apart, I guess. I think yeah. we lost touch at some point.
2: Yeah, Kyle. She she had some good she had the joke where she's like, Oh, what do you guys collected in this one? Like diamonds and they're like nah it's like i don't know gems this time they're like now nah, we're getting masks this time she's like oh, okay that sounds good <laughs> like, whatever let's like, go along with it yeah it's funny yeah it is funny um the uh the whole thing
0: it's called crash 4 it's about time but then it's not really about time it's about dimensions where i guess through these dimensions i guess you jump through time which is still confusing so that's what crash 3 was about right so it is weird though thinking about how similar it is to the new ratchet of just playing with different dimensions and having this different version of Tana and this version from the different dimension. And then in Ratchet, there's like the different female lombacks and stuff. Do you think it's all just coming from Spider-Verse or Endgame or like something oh. just bringing up this these dimensions at this point?
2: I mean, culturally? I'm just trying to trace this back because I think about this a lot because dimensions in like <clears throat> entertainment are now like an accepted thing. Like yeah. there are so many shows... That are like cool with the i with they can use the concept of dimension to tell stories like gravity falls the the recent ninja turtles show was all about like dimensional travel um star versus the forces of evil recently has like dimensional travel i think i think steven universe does i am and and rick and morty is like a huge one and i'm trying to figure out like what what was the line because it wasn't spider-verse there was some media that like mcu did that stuff right yeah, but I more I, recently, I would have counted among that too, but I feel yeah. like there's some point where we were all like cool with the idea of it and now a lot of fixed like like cartoons and stuff are using it, which is cool. Like it ends up being a cool thing. But like I feel like in the last like 5 to 8 years, like we've all like Gotten the hang, like we've all like we all accept it and are, are we don't need it fully explained to us anymore. I you know don't what mean the same it. way like Back to the Future kind of simplified the idea of time travel, and then time travel stories became more prevalent. Like I feel like something kicked off our understanding of dimensions in fiction, and I don't I don't know what it was. You know,
1: was it that episode of Community where they roll the dice to go get the pizza?
2: On, I mean, honestly, <laughs> like that was an early example, like for yeah. sure. Like that darkest timeline like, is
1: like yeah yeah. It's a-
2: a phrase
1: yeah, yeah you're right
3: yeah. Uh, Jeff, it has to be so that episode yeah. of the Mega Man animated show where X comes in from the other timeline that has to be the se- seminal moment right <laughs> a, an episode that my brother told me about that I did not
2: believe existed I thought he was lying to me and pranking me as a child and it wasn't until I was an adult and I
3: googled it and found it on YouTube that I finally learned to trust my brother again. Yeah, and the thing that he told me is that he actually made that entire episode himself and put really? it in <laughs> so that you would find it so that you, you wouldn't find out that's amazing so, uh, uh, so thanks earlier. We found it. It's the, it's yeah. the, it's the, yep. the original Mega Man
2: animated show <laughs> <laughs>
0: or <laughs> Jeff Enright in the backstage past watching this live and commenting along with the other fine folks. Uh, he has a good starting point. If you need a recentish starting point, 2009 star Trek. For that alternate dimension, Ooh, like the alternate That is day. really good. That seems yeah. like a good time frame for when we all were very down. I mean, obviously, we we are familiar with other dimensions in media, but there's something, you're right, it became bigger, and I think it's around 2009, right?
2: Yeah, that's Dang. that's very smart, because the thing about that movie, too, is there's a big Leonard Nimoy monologue explaining yeah. it. You know what I mean? <laughs> explaining and like Crash So now, 4. after that, it was like, all right, we got someone explained it for us who's that we like to listen to. Leonard Nimoy has a great voice. Have at it, rest of fiction. (laughs) Right, right,
0: yeah. Uh, But yeah, Crash Bandicoot 4, uh, I love those original games. I gotta be honest with myself, I mean, Crash 4 is the best Crash. I mean, even at this point, it's like, you strip nostalgia away, I would have a tough time arguing that
2: those other Crash games are better than this game at this point. And so, I've really, really been enjoying it. It's been quite a treat. It also doesn't gate you much. Like, if you don't, like, if you just want to stick with the Crash levels, like, and you can, like, I, I ended up, like, skipping a lot of stuff just because I was enjoying it and wanted to see it to the end. Like, you don't have to do the Tawny episodes or levels. You don't have to do the crocodile. Dingle uh, dial, please. Show him his single Dingle dial, excuse yeah. me. Which are fun, but, like, I just like how there's a lot of extra stuff there if you want it. I mean, it's that very Nintendo approach that I'm glad is being adopted more and more, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Leo Vader! Hey, man. Hey, uh, Star Wars Squadrons. Heck yeah <laughs> The greatest F1 of all time In X-Wing uh, Have you been playing much of this game?
1: A good little bit
0: Okay, uh, I've played, yeah, a little bit
1: um, Are you playing in VR? Yeah Yeah, Ooh. I've been about half and half Now that I've broken the seal on not being in VR it, I probably just won't play it in VR Going forward It's cool in VR, but I mean Ooh. You don't get an advantage or anything, really but you get to like look around separately and like it's fun to track a TIE
0: fighter flying around,
1: right? Yeah, but you still just use a game pad. Like when I booted it up and had my touch controllers ready to go and then none of them did anything, that was a very disappointing moment. Oh, that sucks. Sounds... You get like reach out and touch the controls or anything. I, you know I what, love...
2: Leo? So uh, Hanson, you know how my, my fraught relationship with PC gaming, right? Not a big PC gamer. <laughs> uh... guy. I always buy console when I buy games. Yeah. Star- this was the first like PC game that I've bought, like, full price because I wanted to play it in VR. And now Leo's making me feel like I've regretted my decision. <laughs> it was disappointing, but obviously
1: it's like a oh, competitive no. multiplayer game and it would be a huge disadvantage to have to do that stuff, but it'd be fun if you could, like, only get, go against people playing in VR. Yeah. it's Yeah, that's a bummer for me, for sure.
0: I feel it... I like this game. I like that this game exists, obviously having the spiritual to you know, X-Wing or TIE Fighter, and I love seeing the fandom coming out of the woodwork for Star Wars fandom, of course, happens all the time, but specifically, like, flight stick people. Like, even in the min-max Discord, there are a lot of people, like, all right, whipping out the old flight sticks, and it seems like that's what you need, Leo. You combine VR with the flight sticks, then you're going to feel like a champion.
1: That's true. That would be cool. Yeah, and I do want to say, it's a very cool game. I like it a lot, yeah. Are you into the the campaign at all, or are you just a multiplayer guy? Uh, Mostly multiplayer. I've played a bit of the campaign, and so basically, uh, all right, Kyle, listen. Basically, it's like, Rebels, good. Okay. Yeah.
3: What? Imperials. There's like rebels. Wait. They're, they're, you can't, huh? that, the norm is good. Imperials, bad. I yeah, I, I don't <laughs> understand. What yeah. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> you just, you'll just have to play the game. Sorry. You know what playing that <laughs> campaign made me think of? Is like in the beginning, they have some VO from Darth Vader. I just realized, like, we have an entire life ahead of us if we're lucky of just. Poor James Earl Jones impersonations this vague. I mean, he's got to be going down probably the time this podcast airs, right? It's such he's a <laughs>
2: it's such a bummer, <laughs> I'm betting on it. But just they think just about it. They just announced Lion King 2, man. Come on.
0: Yeah, but did you, they're going to Godfather 2 with Lion King 2. It uh, seems to be the reports, right? It's going to be young Mufasa, which I do think is an awesome idea. But it's not going to be like pitch shifted James Earl Jones as a teenage Mufasa. <laughs> Although no, no, I kind of want to hear it. <laughs> But you know what I mean? It's gonna be—they're gonna be trying to squeeze Darth Vader as a character for the rest of time, and it's just gonna be this weird thing every time of like, not quite, not quite there.
2: Here's a question though: Are you sure it's Jones? It's not Jones. I don't think he's Invader Immortal.
0: Uh, I forget what it is. Invader Immortal squadrons. It's not Jones, is what I'm saying. This was like—it's not okay because
2: uh, Invader Immortal. I'm pretty sure it's not him, and I was impressed. Like, they, they fooled me, for sure. Really?
0: Okay, so yeah. they should have gotten that guy back for Squadrons. But it's still oh, the, it's, it's oh, okay. close <laughs>
2: enough. But So, Kyle, have you started Squadrons? No, I actually, like, downloaded it this morning with the intention of playing it tonight. Because, like, I've been all, excuse me, all in on Crash. So, tonight yeah. I want to start it in VR.
0: Okay. Well, I hope you have a good time. But now time. I'm not
2: going to because Leo seems to think it's a waste of time.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's cool. It's the immersion's cool for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's very satisfying to be playing the game, even multiplayer, and just just the little bit of control they give you, it it feels like in a satisfying way, like in God of War, like having the button to like recall the axe. It's that same level of satisfaction to have on this like diverting power in your D-pad of just like constantly shifting and like, okay, upping agility, lowering agility, putting all power on shields because there's somebody behind me. Now I'm upping firepower. Like, just having that little bit of control on the D-pad and having like the meters and the X-Wing
1: or TIE Fighter shift I think is really fun. Yeah, heard, and heard, I think the controls in general, I was thinking about it as compared to like Rocket League the other day. Just the way you get it right away, Like using the two thumbsticks feels very intuitive as far as how you roll versus how you move forward, but it'll be a matter of making moving the ship completely second nature before you become really good at it. Like, you really have to be moving without thinking about it before you can start killing people, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it does, like, and it's at its best, it's like, oh, this feels like a good Colony Wars. It feels like the return of, I know Colony Wars is not the original or what they were going for, but that's the game that, like, I loved on PS1, right? So it's like, oh, it's nice to have another one of these. And also, yeah, they do a good job of making you feel like you're going really fast, even though, they're dogfights in space. Like, they put so much crap floating around in space that you have to fly around, and debris and, like, dust flying on your windshield. It's a tricky thing, but I think they pulled it off really well. It feels like one of those Star Wars games that five years from now, people would be like, why don't they release Star Wars games like Squadrons anymore? That was a cool thing, you know? It feels For sure. like a weird outlier. And It's 40 bucks, no DLC. Get it played it if you like it, move on.
2: Is it coming to, like, EA Access, which is coming to... Uh, Game Pass soon? Uh, well, is that how that works, or is that confusing? I think, none of us know the answer to I that. I
0: think they aren't releasing new EA games in the v- whatever is being bundled up with Game Pass. Okay. I think it's just right. kind of like the EA Vault stuff. As far as I understand it, Leo, do you know better about this? EA,
1: all I know is EA Access does have 10-hour free trials of new games, including oh. Squadrons. But I don't know if you get those free trials through Game Pass. Okay, hmm. EA... Okay. Play this
0: is curious. Is what ENT Clark in the backstage pass is correcting us. So, E, Play, is that the new or is that the old? ENT Clark, please help us. It's all very confusing. Um, but hey, speaking of confusing, Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, it's in early access now. This is uh, the new Baldur's Gate. It's crazy that this happened from the team that brought us uh, Divinity Original Sin, Larian Studios. Um, we streamed it for the Great Goaty Hunt, Surreal and Leo did. Surreal? Um, what did you think about just seeing an hour at least of Baldur's Gate 3?
3: Uh, it looks like a lot of those CRPGs in that I think there's some interesting setups and premises, and I like the kind of degree of customization, but I think as soon as you get into combat, it, I, my eyes just kind of started glazing over.
0: There's a lot going on there, man. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I like that Yeah, from the D&D aspect that they give you so many options and so many tools and so many possibilities, but Leo, you into that
1: stuff? In theory, it's a classic Leo CRPG experience. right. Right. I mean, it's like a D D campaign that your friend is DMing, and you're constantly the whole time like, "Why are we doing so much combat?" Right. This is not what I'm here for. That's what these games often feel like for me. And I've only played it like half an hour past what we showed on the Goaty Hunt, but that's how it's been feeling so far. It's like, okay, I'm still just fighting little scarabs and it is not at all what is interesting to me about this. Yeah. I saw an article, Uh, it was
0: interesting phrasing, just talking about this game coming out at perfect time for a lot of people who are kind of missing their D&D in-person sessions. And like, maybe this will kind of scratch an itch for people... With the decline in tabletop gaming, they're like, you know, what? This will be the D and D experience for a single player. You know, if I'm not into the online D and D scene, so it seems cool. I'm I'm very happy yeah. it exists. Any chance you're gonna keep going with it, Leo? chance uh, chances
1: slim. I think stuff it's doing is cool with the presentation. Like some of those cutscenes look pretty nice. The in-engine cutscenes, yeah. Don't, you know, zoom in close for conversations, which is like a leap for that genre. It feels like, but it's just not quite enough to really hook me. I mean, I just don't like fantasy in general. So it's like, if the story isn't really getting me nor the combat, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Um, Kyle, what was
0: your gut reaction to, uh, Minecraft Steve being in smash brothers?
2: Uh, excitement. Yes. Okay. Positive. Good. Uh, it was fun. It was like a fun reveal. I I haven't watched the extended stuff, but I watched the reveal thing, and it was very much like uh, I watched it and immediately called my daughter over. I was like, "Hey, look at this!" And she got really excited about it too because she loves Minecraft. Oh, good. And uh, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't know. It was, it was such, even though like we had all predicted it at one point, like I feel like years ago at this point, it still felt like a big surprise to me. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's like it was I'm rumored for it. so long, and then I kind of forgot about it. I was expecting other stuff, but. Yeah, I was really excited about it. I guess the internet was angry. I wasn't really paying attention. I don't know what they were angry about, but whatever. Just yeah, wait for Fortnite just, to be I in think the game. I think
2: Smash Brothers fans just want, like, legacy characters. You know what I mean? They want, like, obscure, nostalgic, kind of, like, deep cuts. And Steve is not. You know what I mean? Steve is, like, from one of the most popular games in the world that... Yeah, I don't know. I... I I don't agree, but I understand why people were wanted something different. Like people wanted like Dante from devil may cry and stuff like that, you know? Which yeah. Would be cool. Probably, yeah. But,
0: but yeah, I don't know. Cyril. I don't know how much of that, uh, like deep dive that you watch that they posted later. You know, it's Sakurai for 45 minutes going into every detail possible. just, cementing my love
3: for Sakurai as like the greatest creator. He's, he's like, one of the, he's one of the best presenters of like video game things just in general. Yes. Like at, at the end, uh, just like a, as a quick aside, they also announced like, Hey, here are the three new Amiibo. And the way he does it is like so much fun of just like, he could have just said, Hey, he, new products. Here you go, go get them. But he's like, he's looking, Hey, we also talked about the Amiibo and there's like this wall of like paper mache, like blocks. And he, like, yeah, and so I guess we have three new ones, and he, he looks at the, at the blocks, and, like, as he's like, oh, I need to pull this out of there. But then he, pull, like, goes behind the back, and he's like, oh, here's Violet, and it's like, you can get him later. And then he looks at it again, and he looks, like, he, like, pulls it down from below, and it's like, yeah, and there's also Banjo. And then at the end, I, said, I think that's everything. It's like, oh, wait, there's Terry, like, and the, by the time they... Cut to that shot, the wall has already been broken, and there's Terry. And so it's like just the fact that he, behind he, your he,
0: ear. Oh, look at this. Like, yeah, it's exactly. Just so silly.
3: He, just, he just goes 100% on anything they tell him. Like, <laughs> I, I always feel like Nintendo's just like, yeah, and then I guess the, offhandedly they'll send him the note that's like, yeah, and just mention the amiibos. And he's like, this has to, I'm not going to just mention them. I'm going to do this pro like he's like the, the epitome of like, if you're going to do something, do it right. He's the most, and yeah, it
0: doesn't half-ass anything. He's the most full-ass game developer right.
3: working in the industry today. I've always exactly. said exactly. And, and like, and you can tell also by the fact that it, like, I think if you were to say like, Oh yeah, put minecraft, minecraft, Steve in Minecraft or in smash, they'd be like, well, he's got like, he's got to have all like these four moves and then we're done. And then yes. whatever. But like the the degree he goes like, yeah, because you can attack uh, while moving in Minecraft, that's basically his like one of his big gimmicks is that he can basically mash the attack button while he's moving. And that and that basically lets him just cover a whole bunch of ground that way. And he has the whole resource system from it's, Minecraft. Leo,
0: I don't know if you have seen any of this, but it's not that they put Minecraft Steve in Smash. It's literally... They have built Minecraft within Smash Brothers.
1: Like, oh, no question. I've seen it. It looks amazing. The way you get like different resources based on different levels. Yes, Insane. the materials at the levels. I've only are hung made up of. on. He moves while attacking, so that's his thing. I'm just. I haven't really thought about it. But out of the eighty characters, are there not more that move while attacking in their games?
3: There's a couple. Uh, I think Ban- like Banjo Mega Man specifically can uh, fire his, like eggs while he's moving or whatever. But most of the time, when if you're not in the air and you're attacking, you kind of stop for a second while you're doing the attack and then move uh, which makes it kind of easier to read stuff but like he, the fact that he does that I think is impressive and then yeah like you said depending on if he's standing on sand there will be different resources or, like that's less rare if he's like on Lylat I think uh, or Cornier, the Cornier stage yeah, yeah. Uh, he'll like mine more steel because it's made out of metal uh, and and he goes into this bit about like um, hey look uh, So if you're playing on the uh, Omega battlefield stages, which is where every stage becomes battlefield Like those players don't really like random stuff So on every one of the battlefield stages all the resource mining is the same and so like, and that is his and I also I'm sorry about that <laughs> Which is we're not like look. I know this is for the competitive scene. You don't have to deal with it um, But, like, the degree he goes to of, like, yeah, you can mine different resources, his side B is, like, depending on how much materials you have and how upgraded, like, you have different materials at, it'll move faster and do more damage. Like, the, the and he goes to say, like, hey, we had to remap all of the stages slightly because he has the ability to make squares in, like, in mid-air. Yeah, so we get blocks uh,
0: everywhere. Yeah, and he's like, I want you to take a
2: second to think about the programmers of this game because they had to reprogram <laughs> every stage in this game. Yeah, that was... That was the meme that was getting shared around a lot. It was like uh Smash Brothers artists were like, Yeah, this is great. This is super easy. This we'll knock this out in an afternoon. But then it's like the programmers are just like sweating. They're like, Oh my god, this is gonna <laughs> yeah. be so
0: hard. It's so insane. And they literally they're like, Okay, he can get in the minecart and move around. That's great. But because it's Smash and they're so detailed and they clearly Sakurai loves games so much and he's getting into like the systems of Minecraft. He's like, "Okay, well, you can get the minecart, but obviously they can't go uphill. It'll kind of lose gravity. So, if you have enough resources and you craft it, then you can actually get the powered uh track so you can have the powered minecart to get up the slopes in the smash stages. It's, it's just <laughs> like and he said it a couple times, but it's worth reiterating. He's like, "Yeah, I don't think many uh, you know, developers would go this in-depth for DLC. He's like, I really think we went above and
3: beyond. Yeah.
0: And I, I think he's I, the I, most complex Smash character from this presentation. It's wild. He's definitely
3: up there for sure. And I, I have to imagine that there was like an internal email around the offices uh, the, uh, like between people who aren't soccer. I'm like, do not show him the video where they make the calculator. Do not show him <laughs> that video. <laughs> we are going to work 400x. Don't show x- <laughs> Earth entirely in my <laughs> yeah. head. Don't let him know that. <laughs> uh, oh, but speaking it's like, of what, it makes oh. me think about if Mario were added this year he would be a much that's a very different character with things like instead of the cape just being a reflector he'd be like oh yeah you can obviously do the thing the dive or whatever where he comes back up and right able to do that he'd have like the tenu- oh yeah like he has a, a system where he enables different things to fall out of the sky he can one of them is the tanuki suit or whatever he would be a very different character and it makes me want that character that's like a they really could do mario idea. again Uh, and have that be a a new DLC character with all the other suits and stuff that he has. They just call it like new Mario. I wouldn't put it past
0: him, yeah. I loved it, even in the reveal video, it was the most sass I've ever seen from a Nintendo developer in an official Nintendo video when he was talking about like How Nintendo came to him begging him to put Minecraft in the game and basically he's like, well, there's going to be a lot of work, but I guess like just his presentation style is just amazing for him. Just explaining like, you know, in a very Sakurai way, this nearly killed me and all of my developers, but Nintendo made us do it for the love of God. Free me from this Smash prison, but I'm going to go all in. Here we go and then there's people
2: online it's like why isn't it dante exactly exactly <laughs> yeah Represent- i almost I feel like anytime to- someone
3: asks something of sakura it's like sort of like a, a reverse uh like asking the devil for something where it's like you don't know what you're asking for like what you what you meet what you're telling asking me for has greater repercussions than you can imagine but they're all on me except for you <laughs> right so <laughs> it's, it's a monkey paw like unclenching slowly yeah,
2: exactly <laughs>
0: jesus uh it looks amazing it's coming out october 13th uh for that dlc in there um surreal did you have a heart attack when you saw travis touchdown but he's only going to be
3: included as a me fighter yeah that's a bummer that's i mean that's he's he's, it's weird to say that he's undertale tier uh or sans (laughs) tier and that he yeah they just said yeah he's an amiibo costume uh, basically, that seems to be their way of saying like, "Shut up, everybody who wants him." <laughs> <laughs> With all due respect, even
0: like, "Hey, bomberman's a me fighter," and they're like, "We know you want to drop bombs as a bomberman, but you know, just use the
3: bomb item, and it's close enough." <laughs> Space yeah, Space that's. What, I, I'm too busy working out the mining systems of Minecraft <laughs> yeah. to include any other character. Oh my! And God. then they'll just yeah. It, it's funny to see. I think Suda was retweeting people being both happy that he was in. And people who were like, man, I wish he were a character. That's such a bummer. Like people being disappointed about <laughs> him not being an actual character and people being happy about it. So he was just retweeting, like, if I see Travis, I'm yeah. retweeting that button. Oh, that's, oh, that's,
2: that's a real sweary move. That's like sweary retweeting both the good and just horribly negative reviews for Deadly Premonition 2 the day it came out. <laughs> just like.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah, remember when that well, game came out not? this year?
2: Oh, weird one. Yeah, I've tried to play it. I haven't gotten very far. It's like the game that my wife and I play together and we've only gotten like three hours in or so, three four hours. You're not spending much time together?
0: A lot of time outside that that we in a
2: pandemic with yeah, a kid who won't go to sleep. Oh, God.
0: All right, Leo, <laughs> I'm ready hey. for you, buddy. Uh, a horror game, four-player co-op, psychological horror game called
1: Phasmophobia. The floor is yours. Phasmophobia. Now, what does that word mean? First word comes from the Latin. Uh, (laughs) Webster's Dictionary defines phasmophobia. It's short for Captain Phasma. Right. Um, It is a cooperative ghost hunting game. And not like your Luigi's Mansion or that other ghost hunting game where you're, you know, kind of shooting at the ghost with your ghost gun. There's no weapons in it. You have a wide variety of tools to measure ghost activity so it's much more like a gamification of like i don't know shows you might see on the discovery channel okay where they go explore haunted haunted houses yeah and they set up cameras with night vision that's like that's stuff you can do in the game i'll explain it in the context of here is how a run might go yeah so i'm with my four friends we're in our little base together all walking around it's vr or not vr i should say i play in vr And you have, like, proximity audio. So if you're far from somebody, you have to, like, touch your shoulder and communicate on walkie-talkie, which is awesome. Oh, wow. But we pick a job. We head there. We read on the board these four randomly generated objectives. One of them is always the same, which is find out what type of ghost this is. And then the other ones are, like, take a picture of it or find the hidden bone on the ground (laughs) or, like, yeah, just weird stuff. Scare the ghost away using a crucifix, things like that. Oh, cool. Cool. And then we open the door. We go inside the house and we have our little EMF readers. We're pointing them around in this dark, spooky house. We find where the paranormal activity is. Our EMF detector starts going off in a certain room. We're like, okay, let's go back. Let's get the camera. We bring in the camera and the tripod and we set it up, pointed at the room in just the right way. Send like one person back to the van where they can watch it on the computer in the van Also in the van, you've got, like, here's the ghost activity. Is it at a zero right now, or is it up to a six, and the ghost is, like, coming for you? And it's got everybody's sanity as well, so it's like... Oh, no. (laughs) We'll see the ghost, and it'll be terrifying, and the walkie will cut out, and then as soon as it ends, and the walkie comes back in, you know, my friend in the truck is like, Leo, get out of there right now. Your sanity is (laughs) way too low. Get out of there over the walkie. And then the game of it is... Trying not to get killed by the ghost while figuring out what type it is. So you have this journal Weird. that has, you know, nine types of ghosts. And you put in the evidence as you find it. It's like, oh, we spotted these fingerprints on the wall with our UV light. Or we put, set the camera up and we saw that there's this little ghost orb flying around. And so we put this evidence into the journal. And as you do that, it's almost like Return of the Obra Den, where you put in the evidence. And according to that evidence, it can only be a certain type of ghost. Okay. So you like, whittle it down to three, the person in the van can be flipping through the journal, reading about each type of ghost and telling you like, here's what to look for. If it's this one, try, you know, using the crucifix. And there's just the element of the ghost could pop out and kill one of us at any time. And so you're trying to like get the best evidence of it because you're getting money for, for buying new tools by getting a picture or whatever, but you put yourself in terrifying situations. Like me and my friend were in there together. We knew it was in this room where this piano kept playing itself. Oh no. And, I know. And we were monitoring it. I was ready to take the picture. I'm the VR guy. So I take the pictures cause I can, you know, line up the shots really well. Of course my, with my hand. And then suddenly we hear it from behind us on the stairs as the lights start flickering. And as the walkies go out. And so me and my friend are like wordless running, To behind the dinner table and I'm physically crouching in VR looking over the dinner table with our flashlights pointed at the stairs and we just see the hulking shadow of the ghost and me and my friend are so scared. But it's proximity audio and the ghost can hear you so we can't say anything. Oh my god. (laughs) Until it's over. And you can use that audio to be like every ghost has a name. It tells you what the name of the ghost is. You come in like Richard Johnson. So oh, you go, Richard Johnson! No, give us a sign. Or you can find a Ouija board and ask it a question. I played with a friend who's really, really good at it and is like super high level. And he was like, "Okay, so we found the Ouija board. Here we go. Activate it. Throw it on the floor. Richard Johnson, where are you?" And then the Ouija board starts spelling out "living room."
0: oh and <laughs> i got goosebumps when you said that
1: i hate that oh. oh it's so good and so we know to focus on the living room and then it's just all about gathering evidence and trying not to die there was another time where me and my friend were in the basement checking on this journal because one of the things can go the ghost can do i'm really excited about this sorry, yeah that's fine is you place an empty journal on the ground and you come back later and you can find uh that they've written in it and that gives you a clue as to what kind of ghost it is so we're like let's go in the basement and check on this journal and we go and we look at it and it's empty but then the lights go out in the whole house and we hear the heartbeat and we hear, know the ghost is coming. I'm like, come on, let's hide over here. Let's hide over here. And we run to the corner and we turn our flashlights off and it's just getting louder and louder. And then suddenly it's quiet. And I'm like, I see that's my friend. And I turn the flashlight on and his corpse is just laying there and I just can't hear him anymore because you know, his audio is gone and he's just like in the spirit realm at that point. But so many terrifying moments and like having that proximity audio that realism of like losing contact with people it's an incredible experience i can't believe how much i love it that sounds really good but
0: you could have made it much briefer i looked up a steam review and uh, it overwhelmingly positive on steam by the way and the steam review just says i was being chased by the ghost i hid in a closet i had to fart my mic picked my mic picked (laughs) up my fart and i died (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so the, the, I mean, you could have sold it with that, Leo
1: Yeah, I should have given a fair warning about that
0: It's Okay, so just on Steam, right?
1: And early access? Steam, early access And if there's a caveat you're waiting to hear about It looks like ass It's <laughs> like, I think one person made it And it's just like, playing in VR My hands are just one solid object Like there's no finger it's control Minecraft at Steve. all yeah, so <laughs> it, you know the player animations don't look very good, and there's some finicky and glitchy stuff. But like when there's a ghost, it is well enough realized that you are terrified when you. Oh, I guarantee it'll be terrified. It.
0: Phasmophobia, P H A S M O P H O B I A. Don't forget it. Uh, that sounds right. great. It's yeah, like got- fourteen
1: dollars. Oh, really? Mm. Uh, yeah. We
0: got We got to stream that at some point. That sounds great. Oh, please. I mean, it sounds. Uh, I hate to put everything in this framing, but it sounds like it's like a top five, top three
1: of the year for you so far. It is up there. No question. That's I, yeah, I am. I'm so excited about it. Oh, good. That's awesome. Um, Let's see. We got some rinky
0: dink things we can talk about. Uh, Serial, you want to enter the rinky dink ring?
3: Sure. Do you want to talk about, do you want to talk about the mafia remake? You've been playing this a little bit. Yeah, I can talk about that a little bit. Um, I, I finished it. Uh, Yesterday, but uh, it's a weird game to play right now because it just feels so, so like going against everything that other games are doing uh, in a way that I don't think super works. So uh, if you remember Mafia 3, that game, you know, got a lot of praise for its story, but got a lot of flack for Um, kind of the way it was just kind of another open world where you have to do a bunch of activities in in order to progress the storyline and people were like oh you should just cut that down you don't need all that stuff and that's what this game is which is just like you have this kind of smallish open city that I think is either Chicago or New York it's called like Little Heaven or whatever but it's I think it's based, supposed to be based on either one of those two cities. Um, and so all you're really doing is going from mission to mission. Like, there's almost no, like, you don't unlock the ability to actually roam around the city at, at will until you beat the campaign. And so wow. you're, just, you're just really doing, just like, as soon as one mission is over, it'll say, like, hey, this, the, here's the name of the mission you just did, chapter complete. And then you press A, and it loads up the next cutscene. So in that sense, like I kind of prefer this structure to Mafia Threes because it's yeah. like, yeah, I don't, I like the open world as as a set dressing for the you know, because like you're driving around and as you're driving around, you're having these conversations with all the mafia people. Um, I like that it's like, oh, this is really immersive in the way, in the sense that I'm just kind of exploring the city as if I were actually just driving in it, and that's really cool. But it's hard to like really recommend it very strongly because what it does is just like it's like a mafia story, and it all 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 the like nuances that you might expect from there of like ah you know I was kind of drafted in the mafia because uh uh, Tom, uh, the guy you you play as was like oh I'm just a cabbie and then you know he he kind of act like people commandeer his car and say like, Hey, we're trying to get away from these other guys. Like drive. I have a gun to your head or whatever. So now you have to drive for, for them. And then, yeah. And so the other guys basically (laughs) save you from them. And so like, Oh, you're kind of like, thanks for helping us out or whatever. Getting these guys. So Uh, standard
0: mafia story stuff. I'm amazed that you
3: played this game through to completion. Were you reviewing it somewhere? No, I just got. I it was just like in my Epic Store library, you know, we got a code or whatever. But uh, I just played through because I, I like the Mafia games. I like. I really like Mafia too, and oh, I okay. I liked a lot of what Mafia Three like introduced. Um, but yeah, I think the the story ends, and it's like there's some like kind of interesting notes and some sad like notes uh, towards the end. But I just, I, I guess I I had seen so much of what this game is offering already that I was just like I would. You know, kind of stopping and you know how like when you read a book, it'll just be like you start drifting off and you're like, Oh, I read through this whole page, but I just I didn't retain any of it. Yeah. I I did that a lot with this game and then realized I hadn't really missed anything because it's like the moment you see the cutscene setup, you're like okay I know what they're they're gonna go do the thing okay they're gonna this is the setup for this heist I know what's going on I don't even have to watch the rest of this cutscene effectively Uh, so it it, it feels really toothless because I especially compared to Mafia 3 where a lot of that had like it felt like it was updating the kind of Mafia story of like this is our kind of collected family versus like the you know the Italian mob which is like, oh, you're kind of born into it to some degree, and it's all kind of race-related. race, ba- uh, race related. Uh, Whereas here, it's like, you know, here's just a, an amalgam of different people, and it kind of is tanged with kind of a lot of what was going on in the 60s, which is, you know, a lot of, ra- a lot of like, racial tensions being really high. So it, th- this compared to that feels kind of like, yeah, this is I've seen this so many times, it's kind of boring. Yeah. Um, I know, like, Jeff Cork reviewed it for Game Informer and gave it a pretty low score it seems like yeah, yeah
0: it's, it's nice that they gave it the full remake treatment here and it's cool that
3: Hangar 13 like the mafia 3 devs i think mm-hmm. did the work right for yes the remake? they yeah they they did the remake and it looks it looks really nice oh, like yeah. the voice acting and the and the like the performance capture stuff and all the performances are good it's weird because i just there are two separate characters that you're kind of hanging around with that i think both sound like master shake doing an accent uh <laughs> from aquatine hunger force of course and one of them's is like here's the serious one and then here's kind of like the the not not like a jokey character but more light yeah. version of that character um so that i can kind of let go of that but it's like it's fine if, it, if this is the kind of game where if it ends shows up on game pass it's like maybe worth a weekend if you're kind of into mob stories right but i right. can't like recommend it as like go like because there's nothing super frustrating in it until later on where you kind of get into way too many firefights and the shooting is not at all interesting it's like what you think of when as like the default it uh third-person shooter template of, like, okay, left trigger to shoot, there's, like, four guns, and right. then you have Molotovs. That's it. That's literally it. There's no, like, time-slowing mechanic. There's no, like, okay, we're gonna change combat by doing this. There's nothing. That there's just, just, you shoot guns at dudes. That is, that is 90% of the game. Yeah. Um, so, it, so it gets...
0: we, we got it. Just don't, yeah. it's a mixed bag, as they say?
3: Yeah, like, I don't hate it, but it's just, like, it's kind of hard to really, you know be excited about it now, but yeah. it makes me, it makes me want a good, a, a game that can kind of combines the tone of mafia three with kind of the, like the, the breeziness of this one.
0: Yeah. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Maybe someday, maybe hangar 13 can return to it or who knows what they're working on now. There was those, yeah. there's that story from Schreier, uh, back at Kotaku a while ago, right? Where he was saying that, uh, they were experimenting and pitching different ideas to 2k. And one of them was like an open world music game, which sounds insane that I was really curious to see what that thing would be, but I don't think that yeah. green
3: lit. So who knows? Weren't there the rumors are they, about them working on a Bioshock game or well, like, 2K or is, the studio next to them were, were working on a Bioshock yeah, game? Yeah. So some
0: developers are being pulled over to, what is that? Cloudspire hmm. games, whatever that new 2K okay. studio is that is actually working on that new Bioshock. Yeah. Um, Kyle, you, you checked out the new uh, game from Mike Biffle, Solitaire Conspiracy, which is a solitaire game, but with a story. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it's—I don't have a ton to say about it. I'm not sure super far, but like, I like the core conceit of like, like murder by numbers, kind of like here's a puzzle mechanic you like right. dropped into a story, and like, you know, it's the solitaire mechanics are 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 fun, and I like playing solitaire. But the the thing that stuck out to me so much is, um, Greg Miller is in the game, and he plays like a huge role. Like he talks to you the whole time. And I, uh, I, I, I really like Greg Miller. I, I think he's super fun and charismatic, and I even think he's like a good actor to a certain degree. Really? But like, yeah, I, I think so. Like, it's he's one of those like fun to watch kind of guys. But like, it is so hard to separate the persona of Greg Miller from whatever character he's playing because like, it, and it's also not just his voice. It's like he's literally like filmed and digitized, and like he actually introduces himself and he's like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Jim Ratio. Like, that's his name. And Ooh. I was like, no, you're not, man. You're Greg Miller. <laughs> <Come> on, <laughs> what are you doing here? All that for. Yeah, so, but I mean, but it's also, like, I think it, it's it's kind of tongue-in-cheek of, like, how silly it is. Like, like you're getting into, like, spy hijinks, like, by playing solitaire. Yeah, like, there's no way idea. to really, like, make that too dramatic and serious. But, like, but I really like what Bithel is doing in general. I like this, like... Approach that he has of like making smaller games more often that are focused on writing because I think Bethel's a really good writer. Yeah, but uh, I I just like solitaire video games, so I like the idea of taking a solitaire mechanic and and putting it into like a into like a video game with a story. So I, I I'm digging it. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: have you listened to Alana Pierce's podcast by the way? It's Newish uh, Play no. Watch Listen. Hmm. Um
2: but yeah, she's she, been doing good stuff though. I haven't listened to her podcast though. So.
0: Yeah, it's really good. It's one of my favorite gaming podcasts now. But Mike Bethel is on that. So he talked about the development of this game a little bit. But it's so it's Alana Pierce, Mike Bithel, Troy Baker, and Austin Winnery, the composer. It's just like a, a weird grab bag of folks, but it's always really good conversations. I think it's I think it's one of the best gaming podcasts out there now. So All right. tell them how we sent you.
2: Have you played Solitarica? No, that's a made up word. I don't know what that is. <laughs> that it's that
1: a roguelike your favorite but it's like solitary mechanics and it's a really yep. good game i think you'd like it it's All on right. mobile on Sol- solitarica
2: okay check it out
1: yeah
0: and kyle you'd be happy to know that i'm happy that you mentioned murder by numbers and you'd be happy to know that uh picross is being played a lot in my house now because it's in the on the nintendo switch with was that mario picross it's in japanese so i don't even know what this game is yeah. but it's in the switch online thingy
2: uh, are you playing it
0: no, of course not. <laughs> my girlfriend's <laughs> playing it, but well, I like well, that's I,
2: good. I I, I I I played it too. I played like a bunch of the puzzles, and like it kind of blew my mind that all of a sudden like a full screen Mario was yes. there talking to me in Japanese. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And then Wario showed up like in the desert, and he was talking. Was it's like, so
0: cool. On? I love these weird games. Was like I never knew there was. There was new Super Nintendo, Nintendo Wario and Mario art with like a weird level of fidelity that I would never seen before. But it's like Mario bowing to you, like with Super Nintendo yeah. graphics. Like, what is also, this? I mean,
2: you can. I, I tweeted it, but like the the puzzle completion music sounds so close to Super Mario World's level completion music. Oh, fun, like it yeah. sounds like it sounds like the the legally distinct. This kind of sounds like Star Wars, but it isn't Star Like that's what right. it sounds like. But uh, so and I put the you should go check that out, it's really funny. <laughs> uh,
0: but I love that Nintendo's releasing these games that are almost entirely in Japanese. Like Panel the Pond is genuinely one of my favorite games this year that they released on the Switch Online thing. But it's so cool to have these games that you kind of have to stumble through in Japanese. Like they're both relatively simple, but there's definitely stuff like starting up Mario Picrash was like, All right, every level that we start, it wants us to choose one of two options, and I can't read either of them, so (laughs) this one, I think it's asking if you want a hint, I think
2: ultimately what it is. Manual or automatic? But but it is that moment when you first start where it's like, all right, option A, I guess, I hope I can solve a Picross puzzle if I press that button. Right, right, yeah, it's a a fun
0: time. At least it looks like, uh, you know... She's having fun. I, I wouldn't touch it. It's that. cool. It's, it's way it's, too complicated. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, hey, speaking of fun time, uh, you know, we normally save pu- uh, plugs and pugs for later on in the podcast. But I wanted to mention, and we'll talk more about it, but uh, a lot of people have been asking, and we are doing Extra Life this year. The big charity stream to raise money for Gillette children Specialty Healthcare in St. Paul, Minnesota. That is happening November 7th. It is a 25-hour stream for charity. Uh, Is going to be starting at 8 a.m. on November 7th on that Saturday, but we're not doing it alone. We're joining forces with our old dear friends, the mothership, as we like to call them, uh, the Game Informer (laughs) crew. So it's going to be a fun time. We're going to be having a whole Game Informer cross min-max, I believe is the official wording, uh, for (laughs) this big Extra Life stream. And so we're going to be taking over Game Informer's YouTube account, maybe vice versa. The technical details we have to figure out exactly, but we'll be streaming and tearing down that barrier and we'll be guesting on their segments they'll be guesting in our segments and it's all going to the same place and all raising money so please look forward to that and also let us know what segments you want if you enjoyed some extra life stuff in the past from us what segments you want us to get back to and like you know it's tough to know like well how min maxi should we make it like you know i'm thinking like should we do photo mode snap live it seems like that'd be a fun thing to do for like an hour chunk in the middle of uh, extra life kyle like i think joe would be really funny on photo mode snap live like it's fun to now pick and choose like oh who would be a good game informer editor for this min maxi thing so it should be a wonderful time and we'll be sharing more de- details about that in the future of
1: course oh, yeah. um leo you excited for that super excited that's i'm, I'm obviously disappointed we won't be together again yeah. like in previous years but it's always a highlight yeah for sure and leo if we need to ask you do you know how this whole thing operates
0: Oh, I, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, take your time. <laughs> support from our generous patrons? That's right. Wonderful supporters that go to patreon.com minmax2n and, and support us at any tier. We appreciate any support you want to send our way uh, and including some big supporters like the BAM box. They say, hello, minmaxers. That's us. Uh, we're so <laughs> thankful for the support you've shown us so far. And we're really excited about the box we've been able to get you next. Yes, the new gamer box has just gone on sale and it might be the best one yet. This month's franchises are Super Mario Brothers, Portal 2. The Simpsons, Bart's Nightmare, and Dead by Daylight. Also with Halloween coming, we decided to celebrate 30 years of The Simpsons Trios of Horror by doing a Simpsons pin set crossover between our Gamer Box, Geek Box, and Horror Box. It's our biggest crossover set in five years. And on top of that, the autograph in this box is one of the most iconic characters ever in gaming. It's a true grail item for any collector. We can't wait for you to see what it is. Be sure to reserve your October Gamer Box at thebambox.com. And then hit us up on Facebook or Twitter to become part of the BAM community. Thank you Bambox Bam, for your support. The Bamley, here's a free one for you, the Bamley. <laughs> Hang on write this down for next time, the Bamley. Go to the bambox.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it and also thanks to our dear friends at I am 8 bit. They want everybody to know that they are now selling the Ori Collector's Edition on Switch, Xbox One, and PC. It has an amazing transforming display box case with a glow-in-the-dark finish, majestic stained glass art style, uh, and a flora and fauna of Ori Field Guide, a sketchbook zine featuring rarely seen production art, a collectible art card set, hard enamel glow-in-the-dark pin, physical editions uh, featuring exclusive reversible cover art that are region free and a digital download card for *Orion: The Blind Forest* and *Middle of the Wisps* soundtracks by composer Gareth Coker. It looks very cool. Uh, thank you to IM 8 bit for their wonderful support, and they want you to know that anything in the iAm8Bit store under $100, you can use the promo code this week, Monumental Valley Two, for 10% <laughs> off anything in the store. So that code is M I N N. U-M-E-N-T-V-A-L-L-E-Y-2 for 10% off anything in the I Am 8-Bit store. Thank you to I Am 8-Bit for supporting us in a big way. You can support us too by submitting a comment or question for us to read on this very show. You can help make the show better any way you want. Every week we choose the question of the week and I Am 8-Bit ships them an amazing prize from their online store. And this week it's, you probably guessed it because it's connected. I guessed it. I know what this is. Monument Valley plushies. Me, me, me. Ma, me, me, ma, me ma, ma, ma. Uh, So the winner... The... Those famous
3: sounds they make. <laughs> I haven't played the game, but look at them go.
0: <laughs> They're very cute. And so our favorite question of the week, Uh, we'll ship out these amazing Monument Valley plushies. So thank you to im 8 bit and show them some love, please, for supporting MinMax in a huge way. Leo Vader, you're a very nice gentleman, well, but I understand that you hate the community and you're sick of these effing questions.
1: I just... It's always fun community emails, and I have said time and time again make it less fun, and I'll be there. Yeah, I understand. Well, the problem <laughs> is
0: budge. it's going to be very fun this time, too fun for you. So, yeah. we're going to swap you out and get a wonderful guest star in here. But, Leo, it's been a pleasure, and we'll see you next time, sir. Bye, everybody. you going to clap, chief? What was that? Leo, you want to clap <laughs> out of here? <laughs> Sarah Podzorski. <gasps> Wow. Dear friend of the show returns. Uh do you remember the last episode you're on? I'm trying to remember.
4: I was on one of the podcasts.
0: Okay. And then this. You... It was us. Yes. And then you were on the deepest dive for Animal Crossing, yes. and people might recognize your voice from 84Play, that podcast. Uh you have localized for a number of games. You're yep. you've produced games, yes. Yep.
4: I am a now a corporate shill. But that's oh okay.
0: How does it feel?
4: Um, it pays the bills cool man and pays them bills so i don't complain
2: she'll pay yeah. bills. Hey, I'm one of those two as well now so you know high five high
4: five
2: yeah kyle we <laughs> talked about it a lot on min facts
0: or patreon exclusive podcast but how's the new job going anything new to report
2: no yeah, it's going good i'm having a good time i'm learning a lot of stuff it's cool from the publisher perspective uh no like i'm Interesting behind the scenes stuff that like I was always trying to get out of people as a journalist that I I never could. It
4: is it's weird being on the other not side. Secrets, it? by the
2: way. I'm not like you know, like right, spreading rumors or anything. Just okay. thing like budgets and stuff like that. It's like, oh, I've always been curious about that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah,
0: Sarah, what have you learned uh, in your role?
4: Um so I went from obviously like localization to community management to production and then marketing. And for me it's always like the timelines. Like, the timeline in which some of these assets, especially in marketing or for games, have got out the door are much shorter than you would imagine. We're literally, like, racing to the finish line and, like, scrubbing it, and we're like, get it up, get it out, get it out. Um, <laughs> so it's a lot, it's pretty chaotic. Um, also, the approval process. Whenever I see a triple A game trailer, like, any kind of, like, PlayStation event, anything, I just look at it, and I'm like, how many people had to look at this trailer? How many cooks were in this kitchen? just to get this trailer out. Cause everybody has an opinion from your boss to your boss's boss to like your mom. And
0: it's just, <laughs> and
4: then
2: it's, gotta it's get really... your mom on that email thread. Mm-hmm. Let's copy her in there. God, Kyle, <laughs> at I, mom. I think you were a
0: game performer <laughs> for this. I don't know how much you remember it, but even with all that approval, there's still weird things like happen where I remember, I think it was a trailer for ground zeros that was sent over and it's like, okay, Konami embargoed it for this time at game performer, put it up then. And so we put it up in the back end ready to go. And then, like, right before it's about to go live, they sent out another email like, oh, for the love of God, don't run that. Turns out we don't have the rights to use that music that's in the trailer.
4: That happens huh. all the time. That happens all the time. How? You're, Either you have I, approval or don't, it's right? It's because, like, companies get so big and people leave. So, like, Bob, who was on the legal department for 25 years, doesn't work here anymore. You bring in somebody new, they think, oh, this is fine. We own this. And then halfway through, somebody pops up at the last second, probably from your legal department, and they're like, hey, so we actually don't have the rights to any of of these specific voices like maybe you own the characters but you don't own the voices oh my god yeah it's it's, it's a mess
0: this is why I appreciate the patreon supporters and for just making this like a very clear handshake transaction of you support us on patreon and we will give you media content no lawyers involved it'll be just fantastic but anyway, speaking of patreon supporters we got a lot of questions uh and the first are a couple that relate to something that i think you can speak to uh robbie flanagan says good morrow friends with the seemingly runaway success of genshin impact with its gotcha roots but full and robust gameplay and voice work do you see it as a game that will kick off a series of games in a similar style a la resident evil bringing the survival horror genre into being and genshin's ancestor breath of the wild do you think Genshin is a sign of things to come? Is it starting anything for just having a huge AAA production be free-to-play like this?
4: I think this is something yeah. we have to see because, like, we've seen things like Puzzle & Dragons, which isn't necessarily a AAA production. It's a mobile game that's been alive for several years, and they're raking it in. It's sort of like, is it worth the effort of making a AAA right. game? Right. Because, I mean, I'm playing it, and... I might put a little bit of money into it, but I'm certainly not going to be a whale. So it's like, how much are the whales lifting? I guess is the question.
2: Yeah. And they say they have 50 million players, players, even if you get 60% of that giving a little money, like, I don't know. I think it is a, I, it's not a future I'm super excited about, but I totally think it's, um, is, is a sign of the future for sure. Well, what do you think of it, Kyle? I mean, you're a huge breath of the wild fan. Yeah. I'm I'm struggling with it. it. It's too dense for me, I think, and it's like, it, it's also I will the things that I admire about it is it looks great, um the gotcha mechanics are really uh, in the background. I don't even know where to go to spend money on the game. Wow, which is cool. Like, That's crazy. Impressive. But like the the it's it's too complex for me. Like going into the menus is very complicated, and then like every every time you use a new like weapon there's a tutorial about what it's good against and stuff like that and it's like it's just a lot and then the other the other thing that just doesn't work for me personally is like and maybe it's just because I'm not quite the right I'm the right person for that game in the sense that it's 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 a breath it's heavily inspired by breath of the Wild. I love climbing things I love exploring I love jumping off of high heights and flying I don't want any other characters I, w- I would I would be perfectly happy just playing as the wifey? same character the whole game yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I don't this like switching. This is not a
4: game for you. <laughs> Kyle's yeah, a famous
2: monogamist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I like even like, I just don't like switching characters. I don't want to have to change out my party depending on like what weapons I want to use and stuff like that. I want everything to be localized on one character so I can focus on the, the less I can spend time in the menus, the better is always kind of like what I like about games. So, like, there's a lot of Genshin Impact that's really engaging and interesting. And then there's a lot of stuff that's like, really not appealing to me at all but i want to keep going with it even though i feel like i'm like, that weird? like sort of wading through mud right now i to feel try like i'm being it.
4: compelled to play i don't i feel like similarly but in like a different fashion but I feel like there's sure. something compelling me to play. Like I,
2: I I'm, can't I'm waiting for that to cross that line yeah. where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go to that next mark on the map. And I haven't quite gotten there yet, but I want to. Is it know? just
0: trying to understand like the system, Sarah? Do you feel like ah, you're like tasting the food in your mouth? Like, do I like this? It's, for
4: me, it just seems like the, the barrier for playing is so low. Like you get your waifu, you run around, you hit stuff, you explore, you do quests. And it's just easy. Yeah. To me it's like it's simple. I like to buy pick my waifus, I swap my wa- I like I hit stuff, collect stuff, pick up stuff, and I like that aspect. I'm just waiting to hit the paywall. And, and I also I feel like I'm just like slowly inching closer and closer to where it's like my wife who suddenly aren't good enough or like i don't have the <laughs> levels i don't have like a stacked team
2: right. well, like leveling up like yeah. i'm just hitting x and i'm just like leveling until i stop based on some like mysterious kind packs of or
3: something yeah.
2: that i don't yeah. know where i'm getting it from you have like, like i think if paper. i just understand it mechanically more i will be more excited about leveling up and finding things but right now it's just like it's just too dense i don't know yeah leveling
4: yeah. is more of a transaction
3: Yeah, I I feel like for me, this feels less like, oh, every game is going to be a gotcha now because it feels this just feels like another iteration of free to play games, right? Because, you know, we've had a lot of other genres do that. But this feels like the biggest kind of like hardcore single player game to, to be completely free to play in a sense where a lot of free to play stuff was like, you know, Dota, like a lot of multiplayer stuff that felt like, okay, if I wanna look cool while I'm playing these matches, then I can buy the loot boxes or whatever. Whereas this feels very like, okay, I'm a, I don't necessarily need a group of friends to do this. And and it has those those like free to play hooks. So I think if this ends up being successful, which who knows, right? Because I think a lot of what I've heard, I think about, it already is, man. Yeah, I don't think right. it's like wait and see. I think it is. Yeah. I think long term, I'm curious to see what this is because I think I've seen kind of reports of like, yeah, spending money on this game doesn't actually get you as much as you'd want. It doesn't feel like you're breaking the game by spending a bunch of money on it, which is you know, in some sense like good, but it's like how how is that going to compel people to keep spending? Um, but I'm, I think this is going to, if it ends up being like massively successful, I think what it, it ends up being is that like people stop looking at free-to-play as like, well, we have to put multiplayer in this game so that there's an avenue for, for free-to-play stuff versus like, like, you know, not that this is going to happen, but it's like, hey, we can just make a game like God of War 2 free and then throw in all this gotcha stuff, right? And I'm not saying that God of War is going to do that, but it's like a, a game on the scale of God of War, which is you know, primarily a single-player game, but with, like, instead of paying for it, you pay for, like, cosmetics and stuff.
0: Yeah. It is a weird phenomenon. It is a weird success story in the industry. But, yeah, I mean, Dan Tack from Game Informer gave it, like, a 925. Like, he's championed this thing. It's
2: mind-boggling. Yeah. I mean, like, knowing Dan Tack as we do, he's, like, our namesake. He's very much into min-maxing. Like, yeah. he loves sort of digging. And Joe Juba, I think, really likes it, too, to reference more Game Informer people of, like, that idea of like really digging into the stats and like getting it perfect, like I that's a that's just not particularly appealing to me, you know. But I want to keep going with it. I really, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, Joe Kafczynski and also Bob Beal on the backstage pass right now uh, are just asking like, is it too much of a ripoff? Does it go for no, too much? No, it of has its own it identity. No. Yeah. Okay. Well,
2: there we go. It's good. Okay. Yeah. Like, like because it's like you yeah. climbing animation looks similar, jumping off and using like the paraglider looks similar. But I really do think like once you dig into it, it it, it has its own thing. Like, yeah. it definitely I think feels you can, can
4: only, yeah, the overworld's very similar, but that gameplay is not as similar. And I, I'm like, I've like kind of shut down people trying to get me to compare them. They're like, what do you like better? Breath of the Wild or Genshin Impact? And I'm like, I, you can't. They're not the same.
2: Right. Oh, I, I can't. It's one it Breath over of the, the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but it's pretty like well as puzzles, it's, so, they're not you know, even competing done. on the
4: same playing field like in my opinion
0: right save yeah. that for Immortals when that comes out the classic Rise of, <laughs> of Phoenix then we'll get that head to head Flaming Kesa writes in when you get stuck at a part in a video game do you enjoy looking up help on the internet or does it frustrate you for me I really don't like it when I have to look up help on the internet I feel like the game should give me all the tools I need to solve the game itself how do you feel about it, uh, it I feel like it's just become such a staple for me especially I want to point fingers, but Super Mario sixty four, some of those like star hints were just like, bang the wall. I'm like, what? What am I supposed to do just here? A shoulder shrug emoji. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I've been googling so many just simple little tips of where to go for Super Mario sixty four. But did, does anybody enjoy the process of looking stuff up?
2: I, I hate it. I am embarrassed when I have to do it. I'd do it a lot for Tony Hawk recently. Oh like, How yeah, do I open that door so I can go get that secret tape, and like I just I feel gross doing it. <laughs> I really
0: don't like it. especially when you get those like weird shell articles where it's like we'll put in more data late, later and it just like it looks like someone just got it up for SEO. and it's like some weird yeah, i g or, or like the articles that are
3: like way too long for what you're looking for and like the name of the article will be like how did how to open that door and tony hawk and they'll start like well tony hawk was born in 19 whatever (laughs) and it's like this really long history that contextualizes the thing and i I don't need that context Mm -hmm. uh but i i try to avoid it as much as possible but uh, with Mario 64 actually specifically there were a couple of like if i'm not enjoying the level specifically right I, i think that's when i'm more likely to to look something up yes yeah. for get- me it's
4: the the youtube videos now that you bring up the really long articles i hate when i'm like how do i get here and a youtube video pops up i'm like yes. "Can you just tell i don't want to watch it can you just in like two sentences tell me how to get there
0: kyle as the world's biggest stadia defender um and you can't question it uh do they have that implementation that they teased at gdc in 2019 where they said that you could like hit a button and it would like know where you are in the game and then show you a YouTube walkthrough that would match
2: the screen. Exactly. Is that in the system at this point? I, mean, I don't think so. Oh. I mean, I, I, I never saw myself using that. Like I'm soon, I'm much quicker to just use my phone and try to Google it myself. Um, I, I don't know. There's some specific
0: areas it. I can see that being helpful. Like, I think their example is like stuck on a tomb and tomb raider or
2: something, where it's like, okay, instead of it trying to get my like pessimism of how it could possibly work. You know what I mean? Because like it, it can see that I'm in the Tony Hawk, you know, San Francisco level, but it's like, do you know that I'm trying to get the secret tape? You right. know, After like I, I just need that specificity. Walking
4: in circles, they immediately push you like an advertisement to a YouTube video. Like, do you <laughs> yeah. need this? Do you <laughs> I can help
3: you. <laughs> I feel like but the uh, algorithm yeah, needs to be a lot better before they can be like, how do I up there? Up there. Yeah. yeah go up there. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't think I don't think it it was
2: implemented yet. I don't think so. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, what are you gonna do? Uh, holding the hand straight sense says every medium. This is an interesting take. Every medium other than video games allows you to pick it up from any point. Is that true? You can read the last pages of Lord of the Rings before starting or skip straight to Luke finding out who his father is. Should we be able to skip boss fights and, or choose where and what we want to play of each video game right from the start?
2: Yes. Yes.
0: From yeah. the start.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Alone, so. Alone in the Dark, I think it was 2006, did that. You could, you could chapter select through the whole game, and it was great. To do Weird. That. Did you do yeah. it? I, you know what I did? Because like I, I missed a, a story sequence, and I was able to go back and just like watch that one part that I missed that I accidentally skipped the cutscene or something. Huh. And then also, I was able huh. to see the alternate endings without having to play a bunch. Yeah, I love it. I, I do it. like uh, The Master Chief Collection I kind of did that. Where yeah, was you're right. Like, yeah, go wherever you want. You're right. That was really fun just to go in there and be like, just jump
0: through all those different levels. You know, you kind of get a little bit confused. You want to play all the
2: tank levels? Go for it. You know,
0: Right, right. And so just remove it from the remaster treatment and actually just give it to the base games is the theory. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Maybe Holden's got a point. Uh, Strange Sloth says, my girlfriend and I are making a list for October. She's handling 13 scary movies for the first half of October and I'm doing 13 games for the second half. So I have a game for you all. Rank these games that I've selected from scariest to least scariest.
3: All right. Are you ready for this? Okay. We can probably simplify I, I it. I like we're going to need to keep a running list We here. can just
0: track like top of the list, bottom of the list type of stuff. Okay. Scariest to least scariest. Dead Space 1. Man of Medan, Night in the Woods. The Forest. Little Nightmares. Outlast 2. Slay Away Camp. Does anyone know what Slay Camp is? All right, no. I'll remove it from the list. Maid of Skr? does anyone know that one? Nope. No. All right, let's assume they're very scary. Resident Evil 2 Remake, Hello Neighbor, Evil Within 2, Costume Quest,
3: Amnesia Collection. All right, so least scary is Costume Quest by a mile, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, I would yeah. almost immediately follow it up with Night in the Woods. I don't think that game is really yeah. all that scary. Yeah. She
0: does have nightmare eyes. Um <laughs> I, like I was the-
4: like is that the indie darling night in the woods
2: yeah <laughs> i think so okay so that's yeah bottom. i think costume Quest, is the bottom then night in the woods because night in the moments has like maybe moments where you're like i think this is scary but then it's not right know? so
0: right well i mean you never know it's who's gonna time. answer the door in costume quest with the trick-or-treating like it is a terrifying proposition uh scariest cereal you know amnesia you love amnesia is it top of this list
3: uh, I'd have to see, I'd have to read the other entries, but I would say would, like the collection would rank pretty highly, I think. Because the collection has, isn't it just two games? Are there three games? Uh, well, it's like Amnesia, the DLC Justine, which, uh, if you're replaying Amnesia for the new one, I would definitely not skip because it's really good. Huh. Uh, and then A Machine for Pigs. Okay.
0: Uh, all right. So that's up there. I mean, I was freaked out by Resident Evil 2 re-
3: remake. I don't know. Where you guys would that rank that? That might be that might be up there. I think just because uh, the remake with Mr. X in there, I think is it's like really anxiety inducing in a way that I think you can say is horror of like I I don't want to deal with Mr. X right now. I really just don't want him to pop in. Yeah, there he is. Okay, great. I'll just turn around. Yeah, and- yeah. I'd put it above Dead Space. And yeah, I haven't played a lot of it, but Evil Within maybe serial or Sarah. I don't know if you guys have played that one. This is okay. Evil Within two. Evil Within think two. Think
4: I- I think I've seen Evil Within.
3: I would say Evil Within 2, especially in the first few hours, is scarier than Resident Evil 2. Yeah, because we uh, so resource so resource-starved uh, that you, it is very tense the entire time until you get like, more, like the shotgun, basically. I remember
2: talking to our friend uh, Brandon at the Acme Comedy Club. Oh, wow, um, so yeah. Him, and, he, old friend. and he was like talking about Evil Within, and he was like, I played the first 10 minutes, and I couldn't. I had to stop. I shut it off. I couldn't really? play Really? So... I'm going to go off on that and have right. it high.
0: <laughs> That's up there. Uh, backstage Pass, folks, uh, beating down Brian. He says Outlast 2 should be pretty high. That game is intense as all heck. Okay. I haven't played the Outlast games.
4: Think- Outlasts are always pretty scary. Some of these are some of these are like longer games. And then while some of these are like shorter games. And to me, they're like Amnesia is kind of like a runaway game versus yeah. games where you have a gun. I don't know. Like right. Those are two different kind of horror games for me. And then The Forest is like a resource game.
0: Where there's creepy forest people that are scary, but it takes a while even to get to them. So that's kind of somewhere near the middle, I think. All right, so probably Amnesia Collection number one? Outlast two? All right, there you go, Strange Sloth.
4: Amnesia and Outlast are my top. But also Soma. Have you you played Soma? That's on the list, but I really love Soma.
3: Soma's just like, I don't know that it's like the scariest game, but it's like the, it is probably, it would be the, my favorite game on that list, I think.
4: Yeah, I'm the, I'm the most unnerved by Soma.
3: Yeah. Ugh. And then those are the developers that
0: are making the next Amnesia, right, Surreal? Yeah, Frictional. Okay, there we go. And when's that coming out? It's soon, right? That's the 20th. Wow, yeah. Mm. Uh, White Max says, I've been replaying Pokemon Fire Red, and I've been reminded of how annoying status condition effects are. My question to you all is which is the worst and why is it confusion? Uh that is correct it is actually confusion. It's sleep, yeah. man. Sleep's worse than anything. confusion? Yeah. But with sleep at least you know what's going on but confusion to have this frustrating coin toss every time and then the stupid wording that's been there since 1998 of it hurt itself and it's confusion i mean it's funny and it's i I don't like
2: anything that just like totally eliminates gameplay like it just shuts it off it's like well you get to do nothing now have fun
0: (laughs) yeah i guess
2: so
3: even like like, i feel like the logic of sleep is more sound of if you get attacked you'll wake up so it's like, okay, at least I will take one hit of damage versus Confusion where you could potentially hurt yourself and then the enemy gets to hurt you for free again. Right. So it's like, it almost feels like I would rather be asleep just so I know what I'm getting into versus like, I don't know if this is going to work. And then if we expand
0: beyond Pokemon, uh, I
3: think the worst jazz effect is
0: specifically Atomic Bomberman. There is a, like a way you can get sick that'll give you bomb diarrhea and it makes like <laughs> loud farting sounds. And then it's just every bomb you have in your arsenal is just flying out of you at all times. And it is the worst. You just got to just sprint and just hope that you can navigate it in a snake-like way. It's very fun. Uh, <laughs> James Smith writes in and says, Hey, with Crash 4 releasing the great reviews and the industry is glowing or industry's growing taste for old IP, do you think platformers are on their way back in? no i think there's a fun bubble right now where it seems like 2020 there's a lot of platformers rising a lot, a lot but of
2: next-gen stuff is like ratchet and uh um, that's true the game whose title we will never remember that you called correctly the moment they showed the title oh you mean kenna bridge of spirits <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. looks like a platformer. Yeah, Astro's Playroom. A little resurgence here.
0: Sackboy. You're right. Yeah, maybe that'll be the test is how well those will sell. But I, again, this is all based on just, you know, how it feels. But it, it bums me out that it feels like Crash is not getting that much love. And I think it's cementing that idea that we talked about when we talked about the Tony Hawk remake. remake where it's like people just want to feel like they're 12 years old again and they're buying these remakes. But if they were to make a new Tony Hawk game that played as well as the remake did... I don't think it would sell that well. And I think that's what's happening with crash, right? Like people just want the nostalgia of platformers. They don't really want new platforming
3: experiences is my theory. Yeah, that's good. theory. All right. I mean, I think, I think in the indie space, you're seeing a lot of platformers still, but I don't think a lot of them are breaking out, you know, on the level that something like crash is. So I think if you, if you're like a big platformer fan, I think there are games out there, but I don't like, if you're a general gaming fan, I don't think you're getting a lot of like, Oh, you should play this platformer. Uh, versus like just genre fans
2: yeah uh also a bow in wonderland too
0: yes that was another one from the sonic
2: bring
4: that up to me really why i should because of um the very similar chow garden i believe
0: they have mm. wait because you're sonic obsessed with adventure. the chow garden from sonic adventure 2 yes
4: i am obsessed with the chow garden from sonic adventure 2 i uh, am obsessed with it what it is, is a it? game within a game, and it's yes. the only game worth playing in Sonic Adventure 2.
3: <laughs> it's the best Cow part Garden. of Sonic Adventure 2, yes. Absolutely. It's the reason to go back to play those games is because mm-hmm. you can raise little, little bubble-looking children, and mm-hmm. then you get to make them do karate.
4: Is... And then you put them in the Olympics, and yeah. you watch them run. And then
3: accidentally throw them at the wall because you press Oops. the wrong button.
4: <laughs> or on purpose, because you need yeah. to... You need
3: I need to, to turn you into a devil child. Eat wall. <laughs> Eat
0: wall. Wait, so what? they have something like that then in in Wonderland?
4: Apparently, so I believe it's something called like the Tims, the Tims, and it's very simple. I've just this hmm. is what I've been told. People keep okay. coming to me and they're like, Sarah, you "Gotta check." It. It's got. That uh, it sounds
3: cool. You got the Tims. You gotta check out the, you gotta you gotta check out the, check the
0: Tims. Place to be. Uh, Hans Kleinenberg uh, asks first, "What's your take on the steep Patreon income drop, and how would you explain it?" Good question. We had a bit of a dip uh, this month. That. Uh, Believe it or not, uh makes me lose sleep. Um I think it's a couple of the big supporters uh dropping their tier down. So I'm not fully panicking, but it is one of those moments of just like please stop dropping. Okay, <laughs> we have leveled again. All right, because it's very tough running a Patreon because you have to like uh, figure out like okay, these are the expenses, these are, you know, salaries and then when that shifts in a big way on the Patreon side, it's like, "Oh god. All right, but we're okay, I think. Thank you. Um, and then Hans asks, second, what, uh, would you play Fatal Frame 2 for Extra Life? That is a very good question. I would, is that accessible? I would
4: play it unasked. You don't have to ask me, and I, I would play that game.
0: Have you played it before?
4: And I, I think I played the Wii U demo, and I loved it, but I was like, I really just can't give money to this, but I really love it.
0: It's... I mean, I'm curious if it would still terrify me as much as it did back then. It is still, in my mind, the scariest game I've ever played. But I was also, you know, 12, sitting in a dark basement, playing it by myself, convinced that there are ghosts surrounding my house anyway. So it was just pure nightmares. Um, but yeah, we've been talking about doing kind of a horror stream, horror theme stream. And so if I still own it on PlayStation 2, I don't know. I might have traded into GameStop years and years ago because it was cursed. Wait, no, I see it back there. Yeah, maybe we could boot it that up. That'd be a fun one to play. Uh, hang on. I got to remember to write that down as an option for uh, some sort of horror stream. Maybe around our anniversary, which is coming up on October 24th. Um, Kaju Will. Serial and Kyle, this one's for you. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Uh, First time question here. I just joined the Patreon this week. Thank you, Kaju Will. Saying, glad to finally be part of the team. Which leads to my question. We had this question a lot back in the day and we just kind of let it drift off to see, but it's never been resolved. What is our name? Are we also CLCs? Are we MinMins? Are we computer-loving cohorts, loving cohorts? How can I refer to myself when my wife asked about this Patreon charge on the credit card? Remember this? It was like, we got to come up with some name for the community because thank God that newspaper called us computer-loving cohorts and gave us that name. That helped
2: a lot. But so wait, where are the computer loving cohorts? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because I like the idea of you know the the supporters being called the CLCs. You know, they're the computer loving. Uh, I mean, that's different than how they've been phrasing
0: it, but, you know, we were debating, like, is it just min-maxers for the community? Minions with two N's, ministry with two N's. Hang on, Sarah's wincing at a lot of these.
4: No, no, I'm not. No, (laughs) No, I
0: mean, coming from the localization scene, you're an expert of language. We've always known. Do you have any ideas? What should the community call itself?
4: I like computer-loving cohorts, and then you can just call them the cohorts. You can say... You can just call them... Don't call them the minions. Don't call them the ministry.
2: Okay. I'm deleting these mid-maxers, options. maxers That's
4: okay, just right? Because that
2: gets the full name in there.
4: Yeah, min okay. Yeah, but I okay. feel like people call themselves min-maxers. So, like, you're losing... You're losing your audience. You're losing your focus. How mm. do they... Yeah. separate from people who just say they min-max things for fun
3: right oh, oh, it's definitely true, true. an antiquated yeah. term so we can reclaim it that 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 domain is available <laughs> in the public mind i don't know yeah man i get it all right that's that's pretty good
0: so they don't love computers like we do but they're just the cohorts
4: i mean they can still love computers okay computer loving cohorts but you know shorten it to cohorts to make it a little bit a little bit catchy yeah
0: you're so smart did you what was your greatest victory in localization did you have like did you name something and be like by god Um, i've done it this is the perfect word
4: well a lot of things okay so one of my greatest victories was i was naming a cow i have a few but one of them was naming some cows in a game and i was like what if i name one of them moo and it had a baby i'm like what if i name one moo and then i name the other one mini moo and nobody nobody took that up against me um the other thing i do is i just <laughs> get in front move? of a lot of bad accents you what I just throw i get in front of a lot of bad accents
0: because Sometimes people want them to be people in the will game
4: right in they're like this is going to be a cockney accent it's gonna be scottish and i'm like do we have a voice person who can do that and they're like no and i'm like okay i'm throwing my body in front of it we're not doing that
0: because <laughs> it, but it's probably coming from like the writers loving old JRPGs. Yes. And it's like, well, yes. you know, all these old Final Fantasy characters, they all have wacky ways of speaking, but when you actually have to voice that, it's like, uh-uh, don't do it. Yeah. It's a nightmare.
4: It's a hard, hard no.
0: Oh, God.
4: <laughs> but yeah, it's...
0: I know I've you... dodged some bullets yeah, thank you Thank you for your service.
4: You'll never know what I've done.
0: <laughs> the wall. Thank you so much. I'm amazed by, like, the remote recording for VO oh, sessions oh, now yeah. with the pandemic, and, like... How that works, and just—it's
4: actually. So you're talking about remote voice recording, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know how the voice quality is going to be up to par when they're just like sending a microphone to Troy Baker's house or whatever.
3: mhm I can imagine he has a home recording studio. All right, like, maybe he does. And I saw that in the in the Hades documentary that Noclip produced, they talk about the process of the composer, Darren Korb, basically having to buy and install a home recording booth that was, like, however big and him having to, like, spend the entire day setting it up so he can do actual recording in there. So I imagine if you're, like, a professional voice actor, you're basically having to do that now, but it, it is a matter of, like, is this my expense and... Um, do I charge more for it? You know, when I yeah. have clients, or does a client pay for that and that comes out of my reimbursement fee or whatever? Do you think like a year from now, hardcore fans will be able to tell? Even like
0: the animated film world, be able to tell like these voices sound a little bit different. Like, just there's something about the timber of the room that they were recorded in where you can tell
2: that it was a funky recording. Don't you think? But I mean, ninety nine percent of people won't. Yeah, of course. You might. I just, I but just I don't hope think I that would, I hope
0: yeah. there's a reset of a thread talking about like you can hear the impact of home recording because of COVID on this game. I pray that that happens, but I'm a nerd.
3: You pray that voice acting gets worse?
0: That's right. <laughs> for the sake of curiosity, Victor Pham writes in uh, the question for you, Sarah, saying Animal what? Crossing came in hot at the beginning of the year, but do you think it will still be in the discussion for Game of the Year?
4: That's not fair to take it out just because it came out first. Uh, yeah. As a Kentucky
3: Rod Zero fan, I agree.
0: It, <laughs> it is weird. Like, even just last night, I was hanging out with some friends outside, and we were all talking about, like, oh, God, remember Animal Crossing? Oh, I wish I yeah, played more of that. this year. I know, but it's so bizarre to talk about it because it feels like, oh, they really fell off. Maybe it wasn't that fun. But then it's like, well, we all spent hundreds of hours in it. Like, it was a victory, even if we've fallen off, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: But what's your? I mean,
4: I don't really know who gets final say of Game of the Year. I don't know how that even secular. works. Yep. Is it just him in well, his room yeah. with like Crash Bandicoot or something? <laughs> like,
2: what? Well, I, th- I think the question comes down to which is like, as someone who's been involved in a lot of Game of the Year discussions, it's not. It's not like the time frame. It's not like you kick something out that came in out in January. Just the stuff you've played recently is more fresh in your mind, so you think it, about it. Always it Always happens, you know, and that's what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, what I, I, mean? I,
3: I think I have specifically made a note this year to revisit like Half Life, Alex, uh, Doom Eternal, and Kentucky Red Zero, which were the games that were real. I was really hot on in- earlier in the year, and I, I'm try. I'm going to try to take specific times to replay those, just just so that they're fresher in my memory. And I'm not like, well, I don't necessarily remember a ton about these games because they came out earlier in the year. Whereas yeah. I'm really hot on stuff like Hades now, so. Uh, I do want to make that effort.
0: Yeah, it's nice to have the refresher course. Let me go in and try playing Final Fantasy VII on hard mode, or even doing like the VR simulations, just like remind myself of how good it is and why it's clearly game of the year. Uh, Sarah, do you have an hour count for Animal Crossing at this point?
4: An hour count? Not yet. I haven't checked. I don't look.
0: I'm okay. still playing.
4: Halloween <laughs> event is out. Plant your pumpkins.
0: <laughs> but I remember. I mean, you were you were up there. You were in the yeah. What three hundred? I was like
4: five hundred. Okay.
0: That's amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, but that's like an
4: MMO, right? Yeah, I have like yeah. hundred hours in Final Fantasy XIV. Okay, but that's like spread out more, but that's also not the point.
0: Ooh, what do you think about as a big fourteen fan? What do you think about uh, sixteen so far?
4: Honestly, when I first saw the trailer, I thought it was Final Fantasy XIV. That's oh, how wow. similar it looked. I was like, oh, my God, are they just making a Final Fantasy XIV game? But it looks really similar based on the names. I'm super excited for it because Final Fantasy XIV... If you're looking for that MMO, just get to Shadowbringers. It's like playing a Final Fantasy game. It's good. An MMO. What's it's a, good?
0: Can I jump right to that, or is it just they've sped you up the can, process? But
4: you can. I think they. I think it's an option now. You can skip the early, like the first story, the first, you know like the expansion or something, because it's like not. It's not good. Yeah. Um. Very. It, it was like during the game's life when they were still just. It was on life support, and they they keep adding random quests. But you can skip that and they can put you somewhere in the middle. Okay. Where it's not where you're not going to, you know, give up.
0: Yeah, I played it I think before that expansion. I maybe played like 30 hours and I liked it. It's always one of those that I've just been debating like should I go back to that? I also kind of want to go back to Old Republic. There's enough MMO stuff in the backlog that I meaning to get to. Um but there was a story talking about how long they've been working on 16. And so I visited Square for the Final Fantasy 15 cover story trip which was early 2016 and back then it was like you know very hush hush but uh the 14 producer yoshi p what, what is that really he's referred yoshi, to yeah yeah um that like it was clear that he was leading up the next final fantasy so i don't know how far they were in development but even back in early 2016 it was a thing that he was in charge of the next final fantasy so that That's thing so is exciting. yeah been in the oven hopefully for a while so maybe it'll be releasing sooner than we expect but I don't know anything beyond that um, Tactical Dreamer writes in and says I played Final Fantasy Tactics earlier this year because I love strategy games and I never finished it but it wasn't very fun it was more of a homework game than a fun experience for me what are some games that you would consider homework
2: games the original Final Fantasy 7 I keep trying to play it yeah it's the ultimate homework experience it's not experience. going well <laughs> it hasn't been going well for the last 15 years <laughs> you will have a fine time use the 3x speed it'll be great yeah yeah. But it does, it, it feels like one that I, like, I, I'm embarrassed to admit I haven't beaten the original Final Fantasy VII. It's yeah. kind of like how I feel about it, you know? I feel this way about, like, adventure
0: games, I think. Those always feel like such a slog to just pay the respect, go through this amazing genre, but in terms of genres that have not aged well, where it's just, alright, I'm just going to look at a walkthrough and
3: just plow through this sucker just to experience it. Yeah, that that was a little bit my experience with Grim Fandango, which yeah. I still, I think, it's a, I think it's a great game, but... I I didn't want to put up with, like, a lot of the really obscure puzzles, and that actually kind of impacted the experience because there are some things that if you kind of go through just, okay, here's immediately where you should go for the solution, you are actually, like, missing out on explicit story beats because I think that game almost partially relies on you exploring and not getting things right to some extent. Yeah. So I feel like that I got, like, a very kind of clipped version of that game story because I was like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to put up with, like, puzzles and stuff. I'll just get the solution immediately right right but otherwise i don't think i would have gotten through it yeah but you're glad you did right i i'm glad i did but i feel like i i would have probably maybe benefited from watching a let's play where someone is more thorough and does do everything
0: yeah Remember that stupid puzzle in that game with like the ship and the anchor on the chain going underneath it? That's the one where on my last replay of Grim Fandango, I was like, "What? This is." I make a note: never play through this game again and <laughs> stick to your fond memories because, oh my god, that the puzzle sucks. Uh, Brenton says, "Hey y'all, why haven't we gotten rid of comment sections?" I can see how a comparatively smaller channel like MinMax would find them helpful in getting suggestions or gaining reception. I don't see what is gained from larger news outlets having them. They seem to do more bad than good every single time, especially on sites with more toxic communities. That being said, I'm an aggressively antisocial person, so I'd love to hear what you outgoing people think. What would the ramifications if a company like IGN removed their comment section tomorrow be? Good I mean, question. I Popular Science
2: did it, right? A couple of years ago. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Because they, they're... Their argument, which I really loved, was like opening it up to the floor is not good science. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It, it,
3: it ended up leading, leading to people posting like misinformation stuff, right? And then like it kind of yeah. cluttering up the point of the article. It's just like, hey, hey, this is thing, and then someone being like, well, I heard this completely dumb, stupid thing, and people right. would be like, I don't know which one to believe. Um, but it, I, it's I a good question, it, though. Yeah. yeah,
4: I can hear. I can give a lot of insight to this because um, yeah. I work in marketing. Please. Um, but a lot of one a lot of ways marketers judge like impact of a social post is by what we call engagement, which is comments, because comments, when you leave a comment, you're like expending more energy than just giving a like.
0: yeah, it's good so that I mind share. And
4: how algorithms work, so how algorithms work on like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, probably all your other sites, how algorithms work is things that have more comments, get more views. So even if the com- the com- the comments could be absolutely garbage, horrible, dumpster fire, but even if they're mad, you're still boosting that article. So for big things like YouTube and like big companies, they don't really care if half the comments are bad, as long as you're contributing to that algorithm.
0: That's so dark oh, yeah. and sad. But I yeah, mean,
4: I'm I, sorry. No, <laughs> I'm that's sorry. fine. I'm sorry. Just pull back the curtain on that one. No, that's fine. That's why YouTube hid the comments. Like you can't even. If you try to find YouTube comments, you have to scroll.
0: Yeah. And then like unfurl that thing. I still like, mm-hmm. I like reading YouTube comments maybe because I'm numb to it. i in this job where I've read so many horrific comments about myself and my coworkers that it's almost just, it's so absurd to me at this point. Um, I understand being a guy, I think it's a lot easier uh, to read those comments as well. But like, uh, I, I still like reading YouTube comments on whatever video I'm watching just for a little entertainment, you know if i 'm watching like you know this clip and it 's five minutes long or something or you're bored three minutes in like ah oh, let 's just see what other people are saying about this like I like having that as an option, so I hope they aren't you know deleted for every platform as long as you 're just bracing for impact that this is going to be an s show down there, and
3: let 's just see what people are gravitating towards because it 's yeah. always unexpected it's always it, I also imagine it like that's you know it's sort of where the evil is contained, whereas I think if you <laughs> If you like, if IGN removed their comment section, I imagine like people who are really passionate about telling people what they thought about The Last of Us Two would just email the author directly. And I think oh, in, when you're when you're confining them to the comments, like the writer can just like if they know it's gonna this is gonna be like a really comment heavy article, they can just kind of ignore the comments and kind of saves themselves that guff. Whereas if there weren't comments, they would just be getting a bunch of emails. And I'm sure people still get emails and stuff for like the biggest stuff, but uh, I think that there is a some value in like just, yeah, the, all your dumb thoughts, just throw them in here. <laughs> <laughs> and then hopefully just do the YouTube
0: thing of minimizing it. So it's still hard yeah. to see. You really have to go out of your way to kind of unfurl that sucker. Yeah. Um, okay. Speaking of terrible uh, comments, um, Christopher Castillo writes in, he's, he seems like a fine guy, but he wrote in, wrote in with a podcast game. I call it Ratchet and Clank Swing Hit or Miss. The goal of the game is to correctly identify which titles below are swings, which are known, working, or pitched titles for the Ratchet & Clank series, hits, meaning actual titles, or misses, which means that they're completely fake Ratchet & Clank titles. So, this sounds like it'd be easy, but in the swing category, it includes comic titles for
2: Ratchet & Clank. Apparently there's a bunch of Ratchet & Clank comics. And also, like names that were surfaced that were like we almost called it this yes those are in there too yep
0: yep okay these are dumb uh kyle ratchet and clank going commando is that
2: that's a hit baby
0: that's a hit all
3: right very easy
0: uh serial ratchet and clank fiends with benefits
3: I'm going to say this a uh,
0: swing. It has a swing, a known working or pitch title or comic book title. Uh, Sarah, Ratchet and Clank, rip you a new one.
4: Oh, my God. Uh, miss?
2: Miss, correct.
0: Okay, cool,
4: cool. Um,
2: that's tough because that's a weapon in the game. Oh. Well, the rhino.
4: See, I didn't know that, and I just went on the fact that that would never be approved.
0: <laughs> well, some of these are really, they're getting close here.
2: just like They shouldn't have been approved, probably.
0: <laughs> I like that Ratchet & Clank, like, as, you know, the series has gotten bigger, and especially now that Sony, you know, fully owns Insomniac, I feel like those names are getting less sexual and innuendoized, but there's a weird early 2000s window here. Okay, um, Kyle, Ratchet & Clank, uh, Clock Blockers. That's a hit, right? No, that's a swing. It was something. Let's see what this is. I wish he included what these things actually are. The original subtitle for A Crack in Time was Clock Blockers.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah, it sounded familiar. I thought maybe it was like a PSN game or something. Oh
0: boy. uh, Sarah, Ratchet and Clank, Getting Cocky? Miss. That's a miss. Didn't exist. Serial, Ratchet and Clank, Size Matters? Uh, That's a hit. That is a hit. Correct. Ratchet and Clank, Kyle, Foreplay
2: is that a swing that is a swing wow that was was like a multiplayer maybe deadlocked is that what it? no
0: this was the oh my god all for one a working title for ratchet and clank all for one which was the four player co-op game from their uh north carolina studio it's an odd one uh oh (laughs) foreplay like your old podcast all right foreplay look at that
4: oh yeah wow I wow. didn't put that together until now, and <laughs> I get to sit with that for the rest of the day. Thank you.
0: Uh huh. Hope you enjoy it. Um, speaking of enjoying things, this is not to be enjoyed. Uh, Kyle, Ratchet and Clank, multiple organisms.
2: Well, well, hold on. First of all, yeah, was it my turn? Or, or I'm just this giving it this all to you. It
4: is now. Okay.
2: It's. I. I think that's a miss. This was a. Uh,
0: a comic book. The Ratchet and Clank oh, okay. Multiple <laughs> Organisms. Oh boy, uh, that's it. This is a weird no. game. Thank you for writing in, Christopher Castillo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ratchet and Clank Weird Series. Oh, actually, one more. Um, Sarah, Ratchet yeah. and Clank Bang, Bang, Bang. I want to say hit. No. Trick question. It was a Japanese comic spin off titled Ratchet and Clank Bang, Bang, Bang Critical Danger of the Galaxy Legend. So, that's amazing. There we go. Good job, Ratchet <laughs> and Clank. Uh... Hunter S. Sachs writes in and says, the feel-good question of the week. Uh, Many years ago, my 65-year-old grandfather started playing video games in order to spend more time with me. He became more core audience than I did. I did 100% completion of GTA San Andreas and Oblivion and many others oblivion this last winter me and my partner got a switch she hadn't really played games before she's now farther in hades than i am beat breath of the wild before i could and now shows and recommends games to me are there any people in your lives that you thought wouldn't be into games that ended up surprising you
2: i you know there weren't people i was particularly close with but i feel like in high school i ran into a lot of people that it was a big revelation for me that they were like into games Like, I had this one friend, Joey, who was, like, big, huge, class clown, very charismatic, went out and partied a lot with the cool kids. And I found out that he was, like, the world's biggest Chrono Trigger fan. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, I I had that experience a bunch of times where people surprised me by being, like, into obscure games, you know? Yeah. I do love that. Like, especially uh, back when
0: I was on the cool dating scene, uh, it was always fun. Because at some point, video games come up because my job would come up. And then it was just always just this crazy crapshoot of whatever game the person was really into. Like, you know, one person dated, she's like, I didn't really play games growing up. I guess I played one nonstop and it was Willow for the NES. I was like, what? <laughs> what a weird, turn. somebody else was like, I'm really into Commander Keen and only Commander Keen. It's like, just like how are these certain well, games? good
2: news and ultimately
0: bad news <laughs> for you. <laughs> oh, the turbulent life of a Commander Keen fan. Yeah, but I guess that's just a lesson. You see it with celebrities, too, but everybody's playing games, these guys. Yeah, babe. Anyways, Matt Robinson races in. He plays games and says, Hello, gang. hope you're all doing well. With the upcoming release of Cyberpunk and the fact that Keanu's in it, I have a game for you. The following is a list of celebrities. Your job is to tell me what games they or just their voices have appeared in. We'll see oh, if man, anybody can guess. All right. Christopher Walken. Northern North. <laughs> Does anybody... Re- remember a game that Christopher Walken has appeared in
2: so is real quick is this they like they all have been in a game it's just a matter of figuring out which one yes yep okay Christopher
0: Walken apparently has been in four games which is shocking wow wow good (laughs) job good oh that's really good (laughs) oh my god Uh, one is a uh, 1996 point click adventure game game video or something (laughs) that's right weapon of (laughs) choice that was a Ratchet and Clank game I think oh uh Ripper is an old adventure game that apparently he's in. Privateer 2 The Darkening. Uh, and then True Crime Streets of LA and True Crime Streets of New York he was in. Oh, Jesus. Hey. Uh, I'm in Snoop Dogg, right? All right, here's an easier one. Liam Neeson. Can anybody think of a game he was in?
2: Star Wars uh, Episode uh, 1.
0: There we go, Serial. Oh, Fallout yeah. 3. Kyle, you're getting close though. He was in one other video game that is based on a movie that he was in that is very up your alley up your oh
2: uh, Batman Begins up your crime alley Batman Begins way to go go, they had the whole cast in there that's wild I remember there's behind the scenes footage on that disc of Michael Caine being like what the f*** am I doing here really yeah (laughs) get me out of this game
0: Uh, (laughs) Matthew Perry
2: Uh, that'll be Fallout New Vegas (laughs) I remember you bringing that up before Kyle dude's a huge gamer loves Klonoa what really yeah. Google Matthew Perry and Klonoa. You'll find a great quote from him about Klonoa.
0: Hey, speaking of Klonoa, you know what's a really weird moment in uh, Crash Bandicoot 4? Is when Embryo, that beloved character, he turns into a pterodactyl and then he just looks at the camera and goes, My cloaca! And then, like, an egg falls out of him. <laughs> but, like, oh, in a really video nice. game, it's just this weird moment where he's screaming about Slovakia. Anyways, uh, Gary Coleman. Postal. Ass. Yes, Postal 2. And this is insane. Gary Coleman was in The Curse of Monkey Island?
3: I feel like those are two very different Gary Colemans. <laughs>
0: that is it, it could be. Who knows? Uh, okay, Phil Collins. Was in a game. Can anybody remember what he was uh, in? Vice City. Close, not quite. Very. Wait, close. Are yes. Way to go, Serial. Oh, Vice City Stories. Oh Phil
2: Collins was in. So confident.
0: Oh. Rug pulled out from under me. So close. Burt Reynolds. Uh, Saints Row the Third. Way to go. And apparently he was in another game that's very similar genre, but more
2: popular. Uh, Vice City again? Yes,
0: Vice City. Way to go. <laughs> okay. uh, ben be guessing Vice
2: City eventually. <laughs> <laughs> ben Kingsley. Ooh, Iron, is there an Iron Man 3 video game? No. Great guess though. Prince, it, he was in the Prince of Persia movie. Was he in the, the Prince of Persia game that came out around no. the same time?
3: No. Number was one. There, in, oh, uh, in the name of the king of Dungeons T-cell,
0: was there a game based on uh, that? no like a street fighter the movie the game situation (laughs) no uh he was in a game that everybody knows and loves say it with me ceremony of innocence i don't know what that game is is it a castlevania game that sounds like oh interesting (laughs) it does yeah hang on yeah that can't be though can it ceremony of innocence cd-rom based game released in
2: 1997 there's lament of innocence Uh, oh uh
0: but then he's also in fable
2: three apparently Really? Yeah. Along uh, with the uh, Monty Python guy whose name is escaping me right now. I don't, really, I don't remember.
0: Uh, okay. Chloe Grace Moretz. Dishonored. It, Sonic? Dishonored. <laughs> oh, yes. Good call, Kyle. Dishonored one, Way to go. And...
3: Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. <laughs> she
0: was in Susan like Sarandon. Correct. Way to go. Uh, no, it's... Uh, think about what's uh, one of her famous films... We're all Chloe, so, but she was in Dishonored, though. She's yeah, but you're not Sally guessing Ryan other actresses; something. you're asking what other what other games Chloe was in.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant <laughs> well. Who else was in Dishonored? Well, me and Surreal clearly both. <laughs> you nailed it. I'm very impressed. Um, what I'm film sure. is Chloe Grace Moretz known
0: for? Uh, Kick Ass. There we go. Kick Ass, the game. The game. Yeah, apparently okay. that came out. And of course, everybody's favorite, Billy Bob Thornton uh deadly cre- uh, yes surreal oh, deadly God. creatures for the win and then
3: hopper that's, <laughs> that's right amazing that
0: that's absurd uh thank you to everybody that wrote in with a question or comment all that fun stuff um question of the week sarah you're our guest of honor did one stand out to you
4: um wait now i have to go back and open the questions i know do, 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 do.
0: uh let's see there's the genshin impact talking about the impact of that game I hope you guys are playing it. Platformers um, coming
2: back. No, the no comments one I thought was good. No
0: comments. Interesting, interesting one. Talking about jumping into a game at any point. Bah, 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 bah. Everybody's favorite Russian and Clank innuendo game. Did anything stand um, out?
4: I like the I like the mm, no comment one probably.
0: All right. There we go. That is Brenton. Congratulations, Brenton. Uh, you've just won some Monument Valley plushies. Thank you so much to IM8Bit for shipping that out. And again, you can, some more, uh, some, uh, you can submit a comment on Patreon in the future and we'll read your question on the show. Now it's time for something called Get a Load of This. Kyle, because you were saying that you didn't have a good one before we started, <laughs> let's start with yours. You're
2: done. Sure. I have, the, yeah, this isn't a great one. It's got a, a disappointing ending but um great <laughs> tpt which is um like twin cities pbs yeah posted the story king kong minnesota population colon mario can minnesota lay claim to the giant beast and the nintendo icon and i was like oh what what does what how what's what what is this about like i was really curious about it and i was like yeah. i wanted to see what they were what they're getting at and it ultimately comes down to the fact that um uh, marion c cooper who made the movie king kong like the original king yeah. kong movie and you know came up with the idea and everything uh was a reporter at the minneapolis daily news and he worked with the someone there he met someone there who wrote like the novelization of king kong and then that's the that's the thread they tug on to be like and king kong kind of inspired donkey kong that is an so, epic stretch and i was like yeah, I was like, eh, I don't know. I, I thought maybe it would be more intricate and interesting, so I was a little underwhelmed by it. So, it really but I don't know. I you
4: in with that one?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I kind article. of felt. Yeah, so I don't know. Sorry. Is that a disappointing get a load of this? It's not going to be as long this? as you
0: go back in and just leave a scathing comment, uh, just to keep the cycle <laughs> rolling. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, hey, but I did learn a lot about the history of you know the making of King Kong. So
0: yeah, that's, that's good. good, man. Hey, get a load of this. A uh, friend of the show, uh, John Ricciardi. Uh, retweeted the news uh, that came out this week that uh, apparently in Japan on the PlayStation 5, the confirm button on the PlayStation 5 is going to be X instead of circle, which it has no! been since the beginning <laughs> of the PlayStation. This is stunning news and it's going to confuse a lot of people in Japan. Sarah, since you lived in Japan for a while, can you explain the X versus circle thing and why it's flippy flopped over there?
4: Um, I don't know, like exactly. That I believe it had something to do. So, like X is always confirm in Japan. No, X is always like no, and then circles like yes. Right. You can go like this. Like you can make a little circle over your head to say yes, or you can cross your hands to say no. So it's just, it's always just been accepted that you know a circle is yes and an X is no. And when I would play PlayStation Four in Japan, I got really used to that. And then I moved back to the U.S. and like I don't know where any of the buttons are. <laughs> it's
5: such and a I mess. And I think the
4: Switch had something to do with. How previous controllers worked and they were afraid that um like Americans wouldn't be able to figure out that the buttons were swapped or something. Yeah, because when
0: it came to the West for the original PlayStation, it was, well, in the West it's X marks the spot. X should be confirmed. Yeah. But then it's just that weird thing of culturally. So I'm confused in Japan, the circle over your head to say yes. Yeah. yeah. In what situation would that be used? Like a game show or something?
4: Well, yeah, or it's like well, mostly I got a lot of the X in Japan. Not to because it's like they oh the scrub doesn't speak Japanese, and I got a lot of like
2: don't talk like, to can me. Can, you I, witch. can I do
4: this? And they'd just be like,
2: right. I mean, is, <laughs> it, is it thumbs up, thumbs down? Is that yeah. kind of the the Japanese equivalent? Yeah, that's basically
4: what it is. But I've okay. I've only seen like in anime they do like the circle over the head or there's right. like there's that emoji if you look at your emojis there's a character with a, doing the the circle hands and then yeah. one doing the X
0: hands. And like you can see so. it in certain like Japanese games. I'm trying to think of an example. Maybe like a Mario? Metal Gear. Oh, well, no, Metal Gear, Wild yes. Wild yeah. that, that's a good example. It wasn't where I was going with it. But yes, that one sticks with it in the West, which is cool. But even a game, I think like Incredible Crisis for a deep cut PlayStation 1 game or something, like if you complete the mini game, it'll give you like the the red circle saying good job, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's weird that this is flipping and I'm sure people are going to be very confused. But I know with the PS4, they eventually let you flip it system wide. So maybe, I don't know why they wouldn't put that in there again
2: for the PlayStation 5. It's really odd. And just to, just to clarify for me we're not talking about a physical change it wasn't no. the hardware the buttons were swapped right no it was just like the meaning okay gotcha right okay, okay. right anyways sarah did you have one this week
4: oh well i was mostly excited about the announcement of the super nintendo world launching oh, in yeah. Japan officially in 2021 uh they're opening a little cafe for it in october so people can come in get some goodies but I noticed one of the goodies is, so Mario has, like, a pancake hat. That's their dessert. It's like a, pan, it's a little Mario hat with whipped cream in it. And Mario gets delicious strawberries. And then Luigi gets, like, green grapes. And, like, I'm sorry, but you cannot compare the two.
3: <laughs>
4: I'm sorry, <laughs> Luigi. He gets the short end of the stick here, too.
3: Yeah, I mean, also in Japan, since, like, it's green, wouldn't it be, like, melon-flavored? Isn't, like, that a big thing in they Japan? Really, they
4: really missed, a, they really missed a, an opportunity there. Yeah, there? Yeah, I just, just thought it was funny. I was confused. out again.
0: I saw like a tweet about that weirdo thing, and they have like a pharmacy there, but it's not like Dr. Mario's it's pharmacy. It's like to be what? like
4: a pharmacy in the terms of like an old diner where you'd go to the pharmacy and you'd get like your soda pop at the counter and oh. then you'd get your like cocaine or something next to it. I don't. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that medicine, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 was a yeah the medicine. Medicine. It's a different... Makes you but feel yeah, good. I, was
4: also, I was also thrown off because it does say pharmacy. Yeah. But it definitely was supposed to give off like a diner vibe.
3: Weird. I don't get it. Sarah, you got one? Yeah, so this is a, a tweet that comes from... Ah, uh, the ultimate Mario fan at the Ulti Mario fan uh, that says oh. when sillys say that Mario has quote no personality end quote, I point to them to Mario's descriptive profile from Nintendo's official 1992 character manual, and I track this down a little bit, and apparently it is from the the book I think Console Wars. the The author mentioned is like this is some research material that I ran across, and it 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 gives you kind of like. All these personality traits that Mario, like that Nintendo had given Mario, okay, uh, in like '92, and I'll, I just want to read some brief excerpts from it because it's pretty long. But uh, so they talk about yeah, he grew up in Brooklyn or whatever. But just like there's a sentence of like this is like the intro, this is like the cover page of his profile. This says Mario is good-natured but unflagging in in his crusade for justice and clean bathroom fixtures. <laughs> uh, and so they have all these like like Mario the man, Mario is adventurous, Mario is brave, Mario is curious. Uh, Mario is resourceful, Uh, and and then they come upon uh, Mario is tolerant. He'll accept anyone or anything at face value. He treats anyone and anything with dignity and respect. He has seen too many things in his travels to be (laughs) narrow-minded.
5: What Uh, angle? And then
3: then the (laughs) the, the longest section is Mario is loyal. Uh, (laughs) So it it would it would say like so he's like yeah like Mario loves Peach and so that's why he always. Saves her, but then they also talk about Mario is also a good family man. He loves his brother, Luigi, and tries to take care of this young plumber's apprentice. Someday, Mario plans to retire and turn the business over to Luigi. Someday. That's weird. The year of Luigi was like a test then that that, brought up the
4: question of if Mario's ready to retire, isn't Luigi like in some age? Yeah. (laughs) Luigi would also be ready to retire. So do you just give it to a toad? Like, the plan is not well thought out.
3: What is the age difference between Mario and Luigi? Because they mentioned, like, like even as, as of Odyssey, Mario is like 25. So that's, Luigi's going to be waiting a long time Well, hang uh, on. So yeah. for him to retire. What was it? There was something, yeah, recently where it was some
0: Nintendo thing where, like, oh, yeah, Mario's, you know, you Google it. Oh, that's the age of the
3: series. That's confusing. Yeah, yeah Mario's 26 that's- years old, Nintendo claims. <laughs> Uh, I mean, wow! Yeah, and so like they—they they, it's a really fun thing to read if you—if you have time to like, like what Nintendo thought Mar—who Mario was versus now where they don't even I think say he's not even a plumber, uh. But the last sentence is in short, uh. Sorry, the one thing Mario isn't is tall. Uh, Mario is the kind of guy kids would love to hang out with dot 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 all day long.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
5: the is prep.
3: that right? Like... <laughs> It's beautiful, man. They to play go- more video yeah.
4: games with Mario. Yeah. All day. Play all day.
0: <laughs> Don't leave us. Uh, we had to get a load of this from the community Discord as well. We have a channel dedicated to people posting a lot of great stuff all the time. Um, and this is from Fred the Ghost in the community posted this chart showing um, usage of Steam throughout the year. And naturally, of course, there is a spike every weekend of people using Steam. But then since the quarantine, since like March, it's amazing because you can watch it go from like zigzaggy spikes to then just this smooth curve because weekends no longer mean anything. And it like mirrors the same curve that happens normally around like the holidays, Hmm. like Christmas break or something. And now it's just one smooth gaming ride. It's just bizarre to see covid impacting the steam charts everybody fun data thank you everybody in the discord that posts all those great get loads of this um Kyle anything you'd like to plug
2: vote for the love of god
3: <laughs> be like mario be every week end.
2: if i'm not here to actively plug it myself just assume that i want you to vote
0: you're, every that's time really... you're listening to the podcast you're screaming it's just you're one google search away of just figuring out how to vote early how to take care of this and, and then
2: I will vote.com is very helpful for me to figure out how to vote early so let's plug that site there i go, already
4: Kurt. voted i got my ballot on saturday
2: nice. nice
4: yeah that's the california the los angeles life
0: god you're living it up yeah here's like, here's
4: do not leave your house here take this <laughs>
0: Here's a specific request too. Like, you can do it now, you can do it on, on voting day or whatever, but everybody can think of like three people they know in their life that might be on the fence about voting. You know, I could see, you know, some people, some friends, like, I don't know, at some point. Just go ahead and text them at some point, asking them or sending them a link to what's the site again, Kyle? I, think I will vote.com. Okay. Yes. Let's, let me just let
3: me check yeah. that. But, yeah. Just I mean, take care of your friends that are trying to be lazy yeah and with with there being so much of an initiative to to send in your ballot versus going to the booth uh if you have time uh try to do the research on like every one, like on the mm. down ballot candidates because it's not like you know i've i've gone into the voting booth a few times and said like well i can read the parties and kind of make my my assumptions based on that but it's like once you you're, you're kind of getting into judges and uh, like a lot of the right. smaller roles it's hard to like these are just two names i don't know so do a little yeah. like you can now google those names uh, instead of, you know, just filling in one bubble and hoping for the best. So yeah. if you have time, you should definitely make that do that research. That's a good point.
0: On a much lighter note, uh, MinMax stuff uh, this week. Uh, we posted BetterQuest, our big, huge community call-in show, all about getting better with Jeff Cork. That's up on our YouTube channel and in the Patreon-exclusive podcast feed as well. That's a fun time talking about our goals. Um, Sarah, get a load of this. Um, my yeah. goal this month that I talked about uh-huh. on the podcast is uh-huh. something that was very uncomfortable where Uh I made an anonymous survey about like my personality and qualities and how I am as a friend. And I sent it out to 40 of my friends.
4: You have 40 friends?
0: I was also surprised (laughs) by that. It turns out you have 40. I don't know where I would send (laughs) that. You can send it our way. Uh, Cyril and Kyle, did you guys fill that out? It was anonymous, so I don't know. I did, yeah. Yeah, it was a weird experience. take it Seriously. No Thank jokes. you. Yes, I, nice I had to it. keep screaming, please, no jokes, please, no jokes. Uh, so I go through
3: the results of all those none of surveys on better questions. Yeah, We're you, you can't tell it's me, but I'm the one who did all jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was very funny, yeah. And not, re- not related to the question. It was just knock-knock jokes the whole way down. <laughs> it's killer,
0: man. <laughs> uh, also, we have a new episode of our music podcast, Crossfade, coming up on Friday, and Ana Diaz, I'm sorry, Ana Diaz, uh, is on this episode, and they're talking about Frank Ocean. Wait, so Ocean. I got to
2: download it and put it on an SD card and then put it in the 3DS? But it's That's the awesome. only
0: way to listen to Crossfade, or music podcast. But no, uh, they're reviewing uh, Blonde from Frank Ocean and then King an Album from King yeah. as well, so you can check uh, that out Blonde,
3: one of my favorite albums of all time. So
0: I'm excited to hear Is it. that right? Yeah, there are a lot of yeah. people they're like Frank Ocean. Oh I was like, I, I've never that I'm, album is incredible. All right, well, you can listen to Crossfader Music Podcast to learn all about it. Um, and then also check out the uh, grand finale for Super Mario 64 The Deepest Dive, all that fun stuff. Um, Sarah, yes. what would you like to plug?
4: Um, I have a Twitter at Sarah Pods, I have a Twitch stream. I stream four times a week, also at AirPods, and then I also have a YouTube channel where I upload some from compilations of my Twitch stream.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Check it out. We'll have <laughs> links below. Um, oh, also one more plug is uh, the MinMax subreddit. Uh, there's, you mm. know, the Discord is hopping. It's great. It's a great, friendly community, but I noticed the people on the subreddit were like, oh, they never talk about us. So, if you're looking for a place where you don't have to support us on Patreon to have a MinMax community, you can go check out that subreddit, share some links, jump in the comments. They seem nice so far, so check that out, too. And thank you to everybody that supports us at the $50 tier who gets a plug at the end of the podcast here. We have the Bambox, I am eight bit. Merco, Arico Rico, Toreno, Zachary Pleggy, Rebecca Lang, beaten down Brian, Brian with a Y, Captain Stubbs one, Mark Seliga, Joar hello. Ludwig Roque, Andrew Valla, Jesse Vitelli, Sam Miami, 83, Thomas Hoster, snake 24, Yarrow, William Garcia, spiral in your eyes, Richard Smuts, Spider Dan, Alex Payne, Pritham, Yarla Gata, JT fell, Steve Bamdad, and Chris. Thank you so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go!